Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday. It's whizzing through, isn't it? So it's uh, it's voting. Voting shortly. Please, please go out and vote. That's all I can say to you. On the programme this morning, some hollow apology to Cliff from the BBC. We're not actually told who at the BBC. It could have been the janitor. We're not too sure. Could have been somebody who's just wandering past the entrance going, oh, yeah, we, we, we say sorry to Cliff. Uh, it's not really good enough, is it? It's really not good enough. That's the way that they, they treat people. Mind you, they, they seem to protect certain other people working within the organisation, don't they? Oh, dear me, honestly. But it's just, we want one person. You know, I want the DG to come out and say something like, or, you know, head of news or somebody, not just some stupid thing saying the BBC says sorry. Who is it? Just some faceless person. Of course it is. Uh, The parking warden. Great story about that. And uh, the vile parents jailed over the murder of uh, little Ellie. I'm sick to death of reading about stories like this. I mean, it almost makes you want to bring back hanging, doesn't it? Big brother Marco. Uh, Big Brother's waste of space, you mean. The embarrassment that is Marco Pierre White Jr. Jr. because he's just a little bit out to lunch. And uh, he got caught for, for cocaine. And he kind of goes, OK, don't really care. Like He's a complete and utter plank. And that would be the best description you could ever have of him. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing going. He's just a, he's just a silly little boy. Silly little boy who thinks he knows better than everybody else and he doesn't actually know anything at all. Uh, Also, the drug mule coming home, as you've heard. You know me and drug mules don't even bother going there with me because I I get quite annoyed when you think, as far as I'm concerned, they should have rotted in that Peruvian jail. Leave them there. Uh, What was the other one? Oh, Her Majesty. She's she's tweeting with one finger. That proves that even at the age of 90, you can still do something. Uh, The number plates to track bees. They've released loads of bees. They put little numbers on them which is it's not as cruel as you might think. And then you, if you see one, then you write down the number and you say you take a photograph and you go, this, I've just seen this bee, so they can track where they go. Uh, Great Auntie Flo and the Million Pound Doorstop. Yes, it's another antique vase that's been found. And I do love the idea of the parking warden hiding behind the bins to catch people parking illegally. And then he leaps out after they've actually sort of wandered off and he puts a ticket on the car. It's quite cute, isn't it? I quite like that idea. Unfortunately for him, they've actually got... Um, they, they've actually got cameras on the back of him so they can see him hiding behind the bins. I mean, it is the oddest thing ever. I've never, I mean, I thought traffic wardens were devious. And, you know, we've all seen the stickers on the back of cars. P.S. I love traffic wardens. It's, it's basically, I saw somebody the other day, they'd literally park their car on double yellow lines on the high street to go and use the cash point machine. And then the other week I saw somebody parking on double yellow lines to go and get a cup of coffee in Starbucks. Oh, I'm sorry, I'd have the car taken off the road immediately. You know, hanging around with it. I'd have a truck in, whip, lift gone. End of story. I'd, I'd make sure they got three three or four tickets. I think that would be the ideal situation. Yesterday, we did um, we did a, a fantastic guest for In Conversation, who's going to be coming up this week. That's Warwick Davis. Um, and it's it's funny because I've met Warwick on three occasions now. Three occasions. And I just see him as sort of, he's just a little a little actor. Uh, and he's also a writer and a producer and a comedian. In fact, there's, there's very little that this, that this I'm going to say, this boy doesn't do. But uh, nothing prepared my, my producer for how small Warwick is because he's three foot six. And three foot six is, is tiny. Even my, because my producer said, he said, I didn't think he'd be that tiny. I said, listen, he just makes me laugh every time he comes in. We sit down, we have a really good chat. We're talking about um, a one-off show. A new musical that Warwick's in with a whole host of uh, people, which is at the London Palladium at the end of this month. And uh, then it will go into the West End. This is it's, it's what they call a tryout. 
It's your opportunity to see something uh, before it hits big in the West End. So the tickets are only like 20 quid, I think. And you can go to the London Palladium and see an all-star cast. And so he's going to be with me for this weekend for In Conversation, Saturday morning, together with uh, Ray Liotta as well, or as the Americans say, Ray Liotta. But it's Ray Liotta for us, and he's going to be joining me for this weekend. Actor, producer, voice artist, you know, good fellas, I suppose, even Field of Dreams we'll be talking about. In fact, I can guarantee we're going to be talking about Field of Dreams, because it's the only film that uh, he hasn't seen. He hasn't, he's never actually seen himself in it because he said, I made it. He said, I didn't understand what it was about. I said, I have to be honest, I wasn't <laughs> too sure myself when I first saw it. But now it's one of my favourite films. And it's, uh, it's great. If you build it, he will come. And it's a story of, well, you go get the film out. I don't want to ruin it for you. It's an old film, but it's, it's worth watching. So Ray's going to be with us for this weekend and Warwick Davis as well. Uh, Lady Shifty told to give details of tax pay, but they're now openly called. They don't seem to like Philip Green, do they? And, uh, and the missus, they really don't. The papers are having a field day with this one. Ever since uh, Philip uh, was described in one paper as being devious, um, a bully, they, they literally threw everything at him that you could possibly, because he didn't seem to know anything. For a man supposedly running you know, a multi-billion pound company, he appeared to know very little, which either meant that he was being fraudulent or he really is that dumb and he doesn't know anything that's going on. When they, when they asked him about money that had gone to his wife, uh, I don't know anything about that. He didn't seem to know anything. So now they've actually called him Mr Shifty. Now they've got Lady Shifty. She's been told to give details of tax havens, of all the companies that she appears to be linked to. Uh, But they're all a bit, it's all a bit, this is over here and that's over there and people want to know what it is. So the MPs who didn't do particularly well with Phil are going to try with with the lady wife. Let's wait and see, shall we, whether or not anything uh, anything happens there. Don't give lettuce to rabbits, incidentally. If you've got rabbits, don't give it to them. It it acts to them like, um, like opium. I wasn't aware of this. I just thought rabbits kind of sat there staring into the distance because they were rabbits and they didn't really do anything. Turns out they're stoned off their faces. They sit there staring into the distance. They have no idea they're a rabbit. They probably think they're a chihuahua or a cow or something like that. But they just sort of sit there and you think, oh, that nice. No, off their faces on drugs. Uh, on drugs. <laughs> That's about as good as it gets. 84850 steve at uk. No mention of voting, no mention of, uh, of anything at all actually like that on the programme, because I should imagine you, you probably can't have got to the end of your tether. You're probably going, I'm none the wiser of what I should be voting. And you have to take it all on board, weigh it all up, juggle it around, throw it in the air, whatever lands on the floor first, that's the way you're going to vote. Uh, you know, I, I can't influence you in any way, shape or form. The only thing I can say is go out and vote. Go out and vote. Don't don't not vote. That would be that would be silly not to vote. You know, I've heard people saying, oh, you know, I'm going to vote one way and the wife's going to vote the other. So it will cancel them out. And I think how stupid are you? And then people go, I think I'll do a spoiled vote. You think, what for? What for? Ridiculous. Never heard anything like it in my entire life. You get out there and you uh, and and you vote. It's uh, it's as simple as that. It's not complicated. It only takes about two minutes of your life, you know, and uh, and I'm sure that you will be. Um, you will be sort of making the right decision. OK. Uh, so, 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 what else do we have today? Oh, yes, the, uh, the other one was the, um, was, was the, oh, sorry, was the fact that my, um, my, uh, what was I looking at? I was, so, I was looking at, sorry, I can't remember which bit I was looking at here. Oh, that's right. It was the, it was the builder that I was looking at who put up a DIY, somebody broke into his van and they nicked everything. And so he's put up a thing saying, wanted dead or alive, the person who nicked it. And the police have come around and said, excuse me. 
You can't put something up like that. That's an incitement to uh, to violence and to hatred. I mean, he doesn't actually mean wanted dead or alive, but uh, he just wants his stuff back. And, of course, nowadays you have to see signs on the back of vans. Never happened years ago. Nowadays you get a sign saying, no tools left in this van overnight. That's all it says. No tool. So that stops people breaking in to the thing to nick people's living. And I'm assuming it's people who uh, who, who sort of decide that they want to nick your stuff, and they don't really care, actually, about you. They're not bothered, which I find a little bit disappointing. I always thought that people cared about each other, but they don't. People thieve it, people thieve everything. Oh, and also the other thing, those uh, My Local or Go Local or whatever, they used to be Morrisons, do you remember on the high street? I know they changed into My Local. Uh, I think they're going into administration. I think that's about to be posted. Certainly within the next 24 hours, they'll be closing down a lot of them. They can't make it work on the high street, and I didn't think, even though my one's open from, I think... Six in the morning through till ten at night or something. Whatever it is, it's a hell of a long time. I should imagine the thieving that goes on it, because hardly any staff. You never see any staff. We seem to do it all on a trust basis. And you see people going in, picking up stuff, and they just look shifty. People thieve, and nobody's going to prosecute somebody for nicking a jar of, you know, tomato sauce or ketchup or something like that. They don't bother with it. But people thieve nowadays. You see people do it all the time. And it's the most unlikely-looking people who thieve. You know, me and thieves, I'd have them all strung up along the side of the Thames. I think I, w- I would actually have public floggings in Trafalgar Square, and I think we would also have the throwing of the rotten tomatoes. So on a Friday night, when you're completely off your trolley, you can go down there, and we'd have all these people manacled. And you just throw stuff at them, I think, cover them in beetroot juice and hope that that sort of, that sort of leaves an indelible mark on them that they will not forget. Uh, Tony says, so rabbit stoned, that's why the magic... Of course, that's why it was called the magic roundabout. I thought you realised that. That's how it works. That's how it, that's how it works. The magic roundabout is because they were... All, I mean, Dylan was sitting... I mean, Dylan the rabbit, he's, he was off his, off his face on the magic roundabout. You had to say, yeah, cool, man. Oh, yeah, Dylan was off with the fairies. He really was. Uh, Steve, there should be uh, public executions. People found guilty of messing with children. It, it, listen, it, would, it wouldn't be a deterrent. That's the thing. It'd be lovely if you thought it was, but it's very naive. And uh, you, you're never going to get that. You're never, ever going to get, you know, the, a, a, a public execution taking place or the death penalty for somebody who, you know, it used to be, didn't it, for murder of policemen and, uh, and children. And I thought, what's the matter with anybody who's been murdered? You know, should we have the death penalty? Is it a deterrent? No, it's not. No, because it still goes on. It goes on all the time. You go to other countries, they still have executions overseas. And, and they've had the death penalty for ages. It's not a, it's not a deterrent. The, the, the death penalty wouldn't have been a deterrent for the murderers of Lee Rigby or of uh, Joe Cox. That would be no, no deterrent. These people couldn't give a flying forex about anything like that. And wherever you go around the world... It's, it's exactly the same. The death penalty. Oh, is that a deterrent? No. Look at the drug smugglers. You know, you go through certain countries and it has a big sign up. Smuggling drugs carries the death penalty. And they do carry out the death penalty. In Peru, the two pieces of filth that were drug smuggling only get reduced sentences. You watch, they'll be on every blooming television programme pleading their little, oh, I'm so sorry, I never knew this, I never knew that. And I'm thinking they should have left them to rot over there. That's what should have happened to them. They were smuggling. As I say, this wasn't 20 quid's worth or 50 quid wrap. This was one and a half million pounds worth. These people are filth. These people are disgusting. They should have been made, a, you know, a, a, an example of. Definitely. I wouldn't have released them for donkey's years. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And we shall put everything in on the programme. Why? Because we're just in that kind of mood. Because we have to do it. John Warrington 
is listening thousands of miles away in the Maldives. He says it's a sultry 32 degrees and it's 10 o'clock. He said, nor I can hear is your dulcet tones and the lap of the Indian Ocean against my private pool. I think that's just too... You see, the trouble is, as John will tell you, I'm not remotely bothered by 32 degrees. Double it and add 30, so 64, 94 degrees. Well, to me, that is stay in and you put on the air conditioning and you pull the duvet over your head and you stay there for the rest of the day. I cannot do heat. I absolutely can't. And so he sent me a very nice picture of his private pool, uh, which is about the same size as my bath, John. It's very nice. And uh, it looks lovely, but it, it, I, I'd spend all day in the pool. In fact, actually, just beyond the pool, I can see the ocean, which looks really nice indeed. So it's nice to have your company with us this morning, but do not try and tempt me with ridiculous temperatures. There's no way. If, it, if it's above 60, I'm having a bad day. It's as simple as that. I just don't like it. I just don't like heat. And I don't know if it's anything to do with, with tablets you're on, but I can't do sunbeds. Remember I told you, I, I went on a sunbed, but it wasn't. It was a thing that the sunbed moved around you. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden I thought, oh, my God, I feel like I'm frying. It was almost like I've got prickly heat. It was very odd, so I I decided to do away with that one. So uh, ever since then, I've just been pale and insipid and not at all attractive. But, I mean, who cares? It's my programme. You're listening, and so you should be. It's quarter past four. This is LBC. There you go. That means I get Friday morning off, which is quite... I've never had a Friday morning off, actually, in donkey's years, so I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I'll wake up at the usual time. And I'll be going, oh, mm. anyway. Oh, I nearly told you the story of the cab this morning, but I omitted because it was a driver who sort of took me the other side of Leicester Square and went, this is the postcode. And I went, you don't know where you're going, do you? Yeah. You've really got no idea. Apart from the fact that he sort of sailed past me this morning, so I had to phone and go, you need to reverse. You've just gone past me. Oh, we get there eventually, don't we? Anyway, on uh, Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning, a brutish father who beat his six-year-old daughter to death less than a year after convincing the High Court to return her to his care has been jailed for life. How can we ever stop this sort of tragedy from happening? And can we trust the authorities to look out for our kids safely? The answer is, you can't stop it. I would love to think that there was some some easy way. I remember talking... Uh, to somebody about child killers and they were trying to analyse why children become killers of other children and they said lessons have been learned. I said, don't be so stupid. Of course we haven't learned any lessons. We don't know anything. You can't tell. This man appeared on television. This man goes on television, supported by Max Clifford, saying he was, you know, he's a good man and all the rest of it. And, uh, and you think, no, no, he wasn't at all. And this child lost her life. I mean, you know, so we now have to look after him for the rest of his life. I suppose you would think the death penalty would be an option. But even if the death penalty had been in, it wouldn't have stopped this kind of thing happening. Uh, with just over 24 hours to go until you cast your vote in the EU referendum, we're joined by the Prime Minister, who'll explain why you should vote Remain on Thursday, and the former Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg takes your calls on the final day of campaigning. That's all with Nick and the team from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Papers today, it's Hannah Vaughan-Jones, the CNN International Anchor. It's what they call them now. They call them anchors. I think it means that you sit there and you hold the thing together. I think that's what they mean by anchors. So it's, it's very American, an Americanism. Uh, Steve, the um, um, uh, one here, I said, I take it you know that the people from Wigan are known for their taste in pies. Can't get enough of them. They're known as the pie eaters. Well, some guy put a sign on the back of his truck which read, no pies left in this van overnight. You know, I was talking about pies to somebody the other day. I had a craving for a pie, but instead, I didn't have a pie. What did I have? I had Australian sirloin fed on, it was a steak. In fact, I bought three of them, because I thought it was quite good value. Uh, Three fed on Australian grass. And in my local fish shop, 
and uh, Sandy looks up. They, they've got all these exotic things in. Quail. They had quail in yesterday. Tiny, aren't they? Quail are really small. When you take all their feathers off, and they're even smaller. And they had four in a little pack, and I thought, no, I can't eat quail. I really can't. I don't know why. I'd, I don't want anything to look like the original animal. That's the kind of bit that puts me off. But I, I had gone in there, because he'd sent me a text yesterday morning saying, we do Australian steak. Uh, because it's fed on grass. And I thought, oh, I wonder what that tastes like. And so they did ribeye steak, which I don't like because it's got that little funny bit in the middle. And what was the other one? They did sirloin steak and something else. Anyway, so I went for sirloin. And so he brought out a piece of, of sirloin. And I looked at it, I thought, and it was six pounds. So I bought three. I thought three. I mean, because to be honest with you, it was quite thick. It was a good sort of, a good sort of three quarters of an inch thick. And it cooked beautifully and really quickly. And it was just very tender. And I was going to bring in a piece for the Australian producer this morning, but luckily, thank God, he went ill. Whew, that saved me six and a half quid. I tell you, I wasn't going to be sharing that anytime soon. And it's only because I read the emails and they said, oh, uh, poor soul's gone off sick. I hope it's not food poisoning. I hope it's not food. I hope I've not killed him off slowly but surely. Because it seemed all right yesterday morning. He seemed fine yesterday morning. He was in sort of fine, well, difficult to tell with him. But, I mean, he, he appeared to be okay. And uh, and I did think yesterday, I thought, if I buy three pieces of steak, because it's probably a long time since he's actually had steak from home. And uh, and in the end, I didn't um, I didn't bring it in, which was just as well. <laughs> Saved it for myself. Uh, 84850. Uh, just so you could see what's beyond the trees, John sent me another picture. And it's a very, very sand... Oh, that's... There's nobody on this beach. Are those sharks out of sight? Those ones bobbing around? He said the villa's got three showers. I, d- I do like a shower. <laughs> I'm quite good with showers. I like the beach, though. I like the beach. I mean, do you know, I think it looks a little bit overcast there, John, but I should imagine it's probably a little bit sultry. But isn't it clever? As I said yesterday, you can say something. John is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away. I say something on the radio. He hears it because he's got the LBC app. And within seconds, he's taken a picture and sent it back. Within seconds! How clever is technology? Years ago, they'd have had to get sort of somebody in to sort of, you know, put it on a boat. The boat would have to sail to a shore and get the horse and ride with it. I mean, it could take a week. It used to take the best part of quite a few days to get from London to Hampton Court Palace for Henry VIII. If he decided he wanted to go up to Hampton Court, you know, for a weekend or something like that, they had to plan it weeks in advance. It took forever because they were rowing. Now you can put your foot down, can't you, and your little motor on the outside, and it's all fine. But this beach looks deserted. Would I want to be there? Yes. Yes, I probably would want to be on that beach. Um, and the sand is lovely and white, and it's making people very jealous, I should imagine, of holidays. And I could sit there if somebody just brought me a bottle of Prosecco or two. Could you get bottles of Prosecco out in the Maltese? I only, it's probably a silly question, actually, but I, I quite fancy the idea. Uh, it was Jonathan who says, I saw an attractive lady wearing a T-shirt the other day. The T-shirt had printed across it in very large letters, Prosecco made me do it. He said, it brought a smile to my face, and I immediately thought of you. Once you look at a very busty young lady with Prosecco, you thought of me. Thanks. <laughs> kind of made my day today. So, uh, anyway, so it's all very nice indeed. The Three Lions flag is racist, well, this is according to some poor soul who um, who had it on his car and somebody left a note under the windscreen saying this is this is racist. Is there nothing you can do nowadays that people don't misconstrue something? I just, I just don't understand it. Why don't people just get a life? In Little, you can get two mince pies for 99p, says Les. Uh, I'm not too sure, actually. I'm not too sure if I, if I would want to be eating pies at 99 We've got a little baker's in Twickenham and I, I'm quite partial to their Cornish pasties. 
As long as it's warm. It's got to be a nice warm Cornish pasty. It's got to be proper Cornish pasty as well. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, as somebody that should believe in the death penalty, says Tony, I don't. The state shouldn't execute people. However, if they want to do it themselves, give them a glass of brandy and a revolver. That's the British way. I just don't, it, I just don't think it would work. I just don't think it would work, the death penalty. I really don't. I, th- I don't think it would be effective. It certainly wouldn't stop crime. Have you seen the people on the television now? They just, they just don't. They just don't care. They're not remotely bothered. They're not, they're not interested in the police. They're not interested in authority. They stand in court. They, they diss everything. I mean, I'm sick to death of these sort of people. You get, the death penalty wouldn't mean anything to them. They probably think they're some sort of hero. Let's face it, if you can persuade those ISIS paedophiles to blow themselves up on buses and, and everything else, I mean, there's no hope in the world at all, is there? Because they've been so brainwashed, poor souls. I mean, you, you have to point and laugh at them, don't you? Yes, I'm, I'm an ISIS warrior. I'm an ISIS soldier, no dear. You're just a very sad, stupid person who's going straight to hell. It's as simple as that. Uh, I'd love to hear your views on the EU, says Donna. Um, well, you never would. You never would. You never would hear anything like that because we're not allowed to. Because, you know, if, if I said, oh, I was going to be doing this, that could influence people. And so they could go, oh, well, if Steve's doing that, I might do it, Ir- irrespective of whether or not you believe my, my views on anything at all. So that's why it's actually quite good that I never, I never talk about it. I stay well clear of it. I mean, to be honest with you, it's something that, that takes place. I will be voting, but I wouldn't even drop a hint as to what I'd be voting. Don't want anybody peering over my shoulder in the polling booth. Thank you very much. And uh, another one here. Uh, Please call our cab company for a cab. I'll take you for, for free, says Haddock. Good Lord, I mean, I'm not allowed to take anything for free, as you can, as you can well imagine. <laughs> 84850, steve at uk, And uh, that'll be it. I'd like, see, and that's my dream to, uh, to have you in, in the cab. I know many people's dreams is to turn round and go, you Steve Allen. I get that a lot. You get that a lot. You can't help it. It's just people are obviously in awe of uh, having... You know, somebody like me in the back of the cab. And, of course, and they spend all their time looking in the mirror to look at me in the back of the cab, whereas I'm sort of thinking, oh, God, how much longer? You know, just when you get out of the cab. We had it the other day, didn't we? It was quite nice. And the guy started talking to me. And I was, I was chatting back. And then he said, do I know you? I said, no, I don't think so. We go another 500 yards and immediately goes, I do know you. He said, I know exactly who you are. I said, oh, thank God for that. Like, didn't get a discount on the blasted trip. <laughs> You always think that you're going to get a discount, don't you? So I mean, I was, I would always have refused it anyway. But that's quite nice, actually. <laughs> uh, somebody says you're very funny. Yes, it's probably not intentional, actually. It's, it's sort of, it's this time of the morning, and I'm doing it to keep myself awake. I'm not bothered about anybody else. I do this program purely for my own benefit. I open up the newspapers in the morning, and that's that's my that's my therapy. I like looking at the papers in the morning. I like looking at some of the stories that are in there. I like trying to find some of the silly stories, some of the funny stories. Some of the stories that may go, ah, and some of the stories may go, ooh. And we get all of those, don't we? We do get them. There was some bloke that was in Benidorm. I suppose somebody's got to go there. And uh, he fell off a balcony. He fell 100 feet and he lived. What is it with people and balconies when they go to Spain? Is there some irresistible urge to climb onto a balcony and then try and get to the, uh, to the thing next door? You know, so I'm just going to jump from this balcony. I don't think so. Only if you're drunk or you're a complete numpty would you want to jump from balcony to balcony. We've seen more people die doing that than anything else. But this bloke jumped. Well, he sort of fell. 
Uh, as I say, I mean, you must have been doing something ridiculous. You don't just fall off balconies, do you? But you do get some people. And then there was the dad who paid the fine. I think this was for taking his kiddie out of school. He took the kiddie out of school and they fined him. And I think it was 60 quid. And he decided to pay it in pennies. Well, I'd have told this stupid oaf, take your money back, dear. We don't have to accept that. It's like getting on a bus. They don't have to accept any more than 10p in change. The rest of it has got to be, you know, proper, proper... Co- is this some bloke? This is what they do. It's called planking, where you lie on a balcony. These people are stupid, aren't they? Mind you, you've only got to look at their faces to realise how blooming thick they are. And so they lie across a glass balcony. I mean, if he fell from here, he'd be dead instantly. You know, and he's done... Oh, that's made up, isn't he? He can't have climbed a... Is that real? What, the Canterbury thing? He's, he's climbed, it looks like a bus stop thing, and he's climbed onto the top of it. What's the matter with these people? Haven't they got lives or something? Or they just sort of... And there's another one here. I mean, oh, is this the one who's died? This is, this is a craze. Planking, it's called, ladies and gentlemen. It's not for any of us over the age of 20, believe you me. It's, it's for stupid people. And they sort of... So they lie across things. And then you think, but if you fall, you're going to seriously damage yourself. Well, and that's, that's what he did. Well, there you go. Ha, 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 ha. I don't know. See, the worst thing is, I think people then phone up the ambulance, wouldn't they? Quick, can you get... No, we can't. Why? Well, he was planking. I said, you you sort him out. Bye. Busy. You know, put the phone down. I wouldn't be wasting time sending ambulances. But he might die. So he might. Goodbye. I put the phone down. But he's really hurt and bleeding. So he is. Bye-bye. Don't waste our time calling again, because we're not sending anything for you. Don't see why the NHS should have to pick up people like that. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, 4.30, LBC News Time, with the latest, it's Zora Suleiman. Hello. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's uh, Wednesday morning, so tomorrow you're going to get up and you're going to go out and vote. And you must do it. You really must do it, because no, I don't want anybody, and I will be hearing people, as I've heard already, on the radio, people saying, oh, I couldn't really be bothered, it wasn't going to make any difference. You must go out and vote, you know, if you don't do anything else in your life, at least do something, you know, do something positive. Earlier this year, we started ordering our meat online, says June. I thought I'd try it once, see if it was better. Costs a little more, but boy, oh boy, real flavour. Well, this, uh, this steak that I had yesterday was lovely. And I just did it with a peppercorn sauce. And you know me and peppercorn sauces. They don't kind of get on very well together, as my arm will testify. And um, so, uh, but it was lovely. And I'm going to have another piece today. I might do it with vegetables. <laughs> Cauliflower florets or something like that. I don't know. Or just roast potatoes would be nice, wouldn't it? I might get some roast potatoes. Sounds lovely. Uh, Brian says, you're right to be suspicious about cheap pies. In Australia, pies are called maggot sacks or lucky dips. Yeah, I mean, you can buy... I mean, and I tell you the two things I would never do. I would never buy a sandwich from any station outlet at all. I would never buy a sandwich from a garage. And I would never buy a sandwich from a corner shop. I just wouldn't. I mean, it's as simple as that. I don't know where this stuff is made. I've got no idea. I've seen people delivering to garages. They look slightly peculiar. And you think, how desperate do you have? You go to a garage to put petrol in. You know, why you want to go there to bring back a sack of firewood and some tatty old flowers in a, in a piece of sort of mirrored bag? I've got no idea. Then they go, of course you get a free coffee with you filling up your tank. I don't want a free coffee. just want to put petrol in. And if I need some oil, I might buy some oil. But I, ser- I wouldn't be buying food anytime soon. I really wouldn't. I just think it's not, uh, you know, because how do you know where it's made? could be made in somebody's kitchen somewhere, which might not uh, have, have the hygiene standards, so definitely not for me. I've had a look. John's now sent me a picture of this outside shower, which is in... Oh, right. It looks like a memorial, doesn't it, John, to something? It's sort of this huge piece of concrete, and then you stand under it. Only in, only in foreign places where they have sunshine can you have an outside shower. 
I think that's quite, that's quite cool, actually. I think it's quite cool. So uh, it's a very, uh, very, very posh, John. I like that idea. And uh, you were finishing an item when you were talking about the Pipkins, says Peter. What was the item about? Did anything happen to them? No, no, no. We were talking about um, the man who sang for the Pipkins, who also sang for loads of other people. He was Honey Bus, he was this, he was that. I mean, I think he recorded thousands of songs. At one time, he appeared on Top of the Pops in three different groups because it was all him. He was, he was the voice behind them. In the days when you didn't really have to worry about it, I think, if I remember correctly, the Bay City Rollers, their first hit single was called Keep On Dancing. And, of course, it wasn't the Bay City Rollers. It was studio musicians and session singers. They, they sang for them. Then when it took off, they had to find a group, so they put a group together. And that was the start of the Bay City Rollers. That was how it worked. And back on tour again. Back on tour again. People kind of like things like that. They like the nostalgia. Noreen loves the nostalgia. Absolutely loves stuff like that. You know, the more of these of these groups that go out there on tour, the better it is. But I begin to wonder whether or not, you know, some of them are as, as good as they as they think they are. And uh, another one here. Uh, Paul the Trucker. I have no opinion on that at all. As you know, I've explained it once. I've explained it twice. And I can tell you now, I'm not going to be uh, explaining it again because we don't have any comment on things like that at all. You can have them. Uh, I doubt your Cornish pasty you bought in Twickenham was a real Cornish pasty, because a real one's got to be made in Cornwall, not in London, says Martin, in Cornwall. Yeah, they have those things, don't they? You can only have certain things from certain parts of the country. I mean, we call it a Cornish pasty, but in fact, a Cornish pasty years ago was supposed to be the one-stop shop for the people going out working in the fields. And so they put, it. as far as I know, it didn't have any meat in it. I think of the early days. A Cornish pasty, I think, just had um, potato, chopped and diced potato, with onions and carrots. Nowadays, you get it with mincemeat and this. And, and as far as I know, in the early days, a proper Cornish pasty didn't have that. It really didn't. And it was meant to be given to the men to go to the field, and that was your lunch. That was, you know, the pastry around it. And uh, I've had some lovely Cornish pasties over the years. Different variations. Different variations, and it does depend on just what the filling is. But, I mean, you know, you, you can win me over with cooked onions. Seriously, I mean, I just the smell of cooked onions. Well, that's another thing I wouldn't eat anywhere. I'd never eat a hot dog from any of the sellers in London. I wouldn't touch anything from any of those people at all. Disgusting, filthy, unhygienic. You see them, they just look dirty. And uh, they should all be taken off the streets. But mind you, I'm still campaigning to get rid of those uh, those silly little rickshaw things everywhere. I don't want them on the streets of London. Rip-off merchants. Rip-off merchants. Jonathan says, I bought a sandwich in a local place and noticed another one had four more days on the sell-by sticker. That meant mine was three days old already. I took it back and went without lunch. Yes, I look at those... I, I look at sell-by dates all the time. I'm constantly addicted to a sell-by date. So the first thing I do when I pick it up, I go, that's nice. Because I went to the... the um, the fridge the other day had a craving for something sweet. Have a craving for something sweet. And when, when you get a craving like that, I'm, I'm generally quite good. I can sort of kind of cope with it. And, uh, and I thought, I have something sweet. And I looked at the sell-by day, and it was two days out. I'd only bought the things the day before. They were obviously coming to the end. So now I've got a check. I've got at least four days. Four days so I can actually enjoy something. But the other day, what did I get free? It was a meal for £10. It seemed quite good value, actually. But it came with an apple pie, and I just bought some. I want to find clotted cream. In, in and around my area. And I'm not sure if they do it. I know they do double cream. And they do, uh, they do what do they call it? Double, double thick for spooning. Which is great. I don't know what that means. Well, I know what spooning is. I think you do that in bed, don't you? When you sort of, is it top to tail or something? I don't know. Cuddling, is it? Oh, Lord. Ghastly thought at this time of the morning, lady. Cuddling. Oh, dear. Get off, get off, get off, please. <gasps> We've all had experiences of that one, haven't we, in the morning? 
all of a sudden, the wandering hand comes over. Go away. Stop it now. It's always Teddy. It's always Teddy. Never anybody else. Always Teddy. I say, listen, you're going to be confined to the rubbish bin if you're not careful. And, um... What was I talking about? I can't remember. Anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It's uh, 22 minutes to five. There's a story about Michael Jackson. But to be honest with you, you know, he's dead now. They say that they've... Um, they found photos at the Neverland raid, which was which was done ages and ages ago, which include weird images of S and M sex. I mean, to be honest with you, I know this is going to seem really, really odd, and I think it's quite odd that I'm saying this as well. But if if everybody's computer was analysed of what they've actually got on it and what they've viewed, to anybody else it would seem really peculiar. But to that particular person, that probably I mean, there might be people listening at the moment who who in, who enjoy. <laughs> bring myself to say it, uh, enjoy a little bit of S&M, you know, or something like that, which is sadomasochism. But, you know, people are into different things, aren't they now? People are into, you know, rubber. There, was, there used to be a man who used to get on the train at Richmond. He had rubber trousers on, a rubber shirt thing, and then a big rubber coat. And I used to th- and very strange. And I used to think, oh, you're obviously some sort of fetishist person who just enjoys sort of dressing up in rubber. And then people get involved with leather, don't they? I mean, anybody you see riding a motorbike, they've, they've got a fetish for leather. You know that's what it is. That's what they, they like putting on the helmet, you know, the, the mirrored glasses, you know, the little cheroot. And then and they put on leather. Whereas, I, I mean, I actually put on leather trousers once and I looked ridiculous. And I stupidly, it was many, many years ago, I did go out to a local pub in leather trousers. I don't know what on earth I was thinking of. I mean, seriously. As I was standing in there, I'm, I'm aware of people looking at me and I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm in the wrong place. In the wrong place. It was like a meeting of the Abattoir Workers Weekly. They're all sort of looking at me and I'm thinking, oh, don't look at me, please. I feel like Philip Green. Don't look at me. Don't look at me, please. But you must check sell-by days. But I, w- I would never, never, ever buy, you know, any sandwich I didn't know where it had come from. I mean, I don't know where the Marks and Spencer sandwiches come from or Waitrose or Tesco or anything else, but I'm assuming they must be made under conditions that have been checked. That's what I'm hoping, anyway. Cornish pasties originally made for tin miners. The pasty being held by the crust so the miners never got the poison on their hands. Some had sweet in one end and a skirt of beef and onion and um, sweet and potato in the other. Fact. I love it when somebody says, Fact. That always makes me go, ooh, you've been on the computer, haven't you? You've been on the computer probably for the first time in your life. And uh, that's Peter, uh, who's down at Lou uh, in Cornwall, I think, again. It's amazing how far away this, this programme travels. But there again, I've heard local radio for your area. It's really dire, isn't it? I'm so sorry you've had to, uh, you've had to suffer with it for all these years. But at least you know that when you tune into LBC in the early hours of the morning, you're going to get at least something that's either going to make you laugh uh, or not. And my friend John, he said, I bet you look... Looked well in leather trousers. <laughs> I'll tell you later what they said to me. Seriously, I've, I've, I've put them away in the wardrobe. I think they're still in there. I think they're still in the wardrobe. But I also had a pair of combat trousers. I mean, I seriously, I look like a Polish labourer. Seriously, because you get a lot of people wearing this, this camouflage clothing. And that's what I... I just look ridiculous. <laughs> it just didn't... And also the fact it was too pristine. If you're going to wear it, sort of splatter it with paint or something like that. But leather trousers, I ask you. What on earth I was thinking of, I've got no idea. Costco do clotted cream, says Patricia. Do they? I've got to go to Costco today. I've got to go and get some Prosecco. Well, I haven't got to go and get Prosecco. But frankly, I looked in the car the other day and it was looking... The, the stock was looking depleted, to say the least. I only like it if I can see three purple... 
bottle heads sitting in the car, and I, uh, I, I didn't see that yesterday. So I'm going to... I should definitely try that one out if they do clotted cream. I don't know what you put it with. Do you put it with, like, strawberries or something like that? Strawberries and clotted cream. Or perhaps you could just sort of spoon clotted cream into your mouth or just cover your, cover your body in it, couldn't you? So scones? I can't do scones. They'd be, there, was, there was an argument over scones a short while ago. Scones, because it's too, too sugary for me. Actually, the clotted cream's not much better. But it was said, do you put the jam on first and then the clotted cream? Or do you put the clotted cream on and then the jam? And apparently, depending on where you are in the country, determines which one you put on first. There is a way of doing it. Some, I mean, to be honest with you, I would always think put the jam on first. Because you don't want to sort of drop it into the middle of the clotted cream, do you, if you put the clotted cream on first. So you put the jam on and sort of spread it about a bit. Then you do a big pfft dollop of the clotted cream. And then you shove it all in your mouth and sit there. People go, is it all right? Like, oh, all right, all right. Thank you very much indeed. But I haven't had it for ages. But then somebody said that they do a clotted cream ice cream down in Cornwall, which is a scoop of ice cream covered in clotted cream and then dipped in nuts. I thought, well, there you go. I mean, that's me sorted, isn't it, for the weekend? Can you imagine actually having... I mean, it's like sort of permanent toffee apples. I love toffee apples. I, I, I only have them when the, uh, when the big fun fair arrives up at uh, Hyde Park Corner in London. They get one in Glasgow, I've discovered. There's another one, I think, in somewhere else. There's probably about three of them. And, and that's the only place I get toffee apples. You can always tell when I've eaten one because I've got... Um, all that red colouring all round your mouth. But something about... I tried making toffee apples years ago and it was rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I bought a toffee apple mix. It said just add water or whatever it was to it. And um, and I sort of did it round. And it, but you've got to have the right temperature for toffee. It's got to be that sort of crackling toffee. Mine came out disgusting. So in the end, I didn't bother with it. It's like this morning. I go to the fridge. Stupid boy. I should have realised yesterday that the milk, which I bought three days ago, four days ago, has gone off. But, of course, you don't know it's gone off, do you, until you pour it into the coffee cup. So I pushed the button on my hot water machine and it filled it up and you know, the coffee bag was in there and all the rest of it. And then I get the milk out of the fridge and pour it in there and <laughs> dollops of it falling out. Oh, God, I had to give up now with that. So, so sadly, no coffee this morning. So I just drank water and it was so boring. It was so dull. Oh, Kim says, I was in Twickenham Monday evening. I had the fish and chips from uh, from PK's, the best I've ever tasted. It's supposed to be really good, really good. Although the other fish and chip shop, they get their, their fish from uh, Stuart at, uh, at Sandy's. Uh, Stuart said, the, the man on the train wearing rubber, possibly an off-duty frogman. Right. Yeah, we don't get that many off-duty frogmen round our way. Although, actually, there is there is in the museum there is a diving helmet which apparently uh, was used. But there was a local man who used to go walking across the River Thames because when when they drain it, as they do a couple of times a year, uh, to pick up all the rubbish that's come down from up north, which could be anybody, and uh, we always end up with it. And they clear it, and you can walk right across the Thames. But he used to do it with these big old-fashioned diving helmets on. Which will be quite exciting, but it must be I mean, really murky down there. Really, really icky as well. Not good. Apparently, Steve, pot of clotted cream in our local Marks and Spencer, says Lennon Bushy. I'm obviously not looking in the right place. Are you sure it was clotted cream? Are you sure, are you sure it wasn't a substitute? Tony Burrows was the man we mentioned the other day, who's the, uh, the lead singer with Pipkin's Brotherhood of Man. Uh, no, he definitely wasn't uh, Love Affair. No, he definitely wasn't Love Affair. Love Affair was Rainbow Valley, and uh, and that was, I think it was Steve Ellis who was the lead singer of Love Affair. I'm trying to remember actually, uh, but he he appeared in loads and loads of groups. But he certainly wasn't the lead singer of Love Affair. Uh, Love Grows, where my rosemary goes, was Edison Lighthouse. 
No good trying to fool me. I'm an expert. 14 to 5. This is LBC. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. So, uh, going back to uh, Tony Burrows, who was the singer in so many groups, but certainly not Love Affair, which was Steve Ellis. The only one, incidentally, in Love Affair to be heard. The rest of the group weren't heard at all. And, in fact, on many of the sessions, they didn't even feature the the backing band uh, for Love Affair. Because I think they had about four hits. I think they had four after the original one, which was Rainbow Valley. I think we had uh, Bringing On Back the Good Times. Uh, which was great, and A Day Without Love, Rainbow Valley, and Everlasting Love. And my claim to fame, as you know, is that I served them when they stayed at a hotel just outside Newbury, a place called the Elcott Park Hotel. And a lot of groups used to stay there, and they were there. And all I remember is that they were... I remember thinking, gosh, it's a pop group. But, you know, but that was about as far as it went. They all had very tight trousers on, <coughs> which people bought in those days. And they, everybody looked grubby. I don't think anybody ever showered or anything. And uh, they were there, and then they got the call for Top of the Pops. And I think that was with the second hit single, because somebody said, oh, it's, it's, it's a lover. And I served them tea. I took tea into them. I couldn't remember anything about it, apart from going into this room, and they were all sort of lounging about all over the place, like sort of pop groups did in those days. But I think Steve Ellis is still going. I think if you put him in on, on YouTube, you'll, you'll find him appearing on, on German shows and stuff like that. But the, the first single was written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, but it, it, didn't, it didn't take off, actually. But the band reached the top of the charts with Everlasting Love, and uh, by that time they'd actually gone on to CBS Records. But in fact, in their backing group, it was really very interesting because they, they had people like Kiki D, Madeline Bell, Leslie Duncan and Kay Garner. That was uh, one of the original Ladybirds. So they did quite well, actually. They, they finished about sort of 71, but the Everlasting Love was used in the film Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. Uh, <coughs> however, the CD of the soundtrack contained Jamie Cullen's cover version instead of the Love Affair version actually used in the film. Cullen's version is played over the end credits. But uh, I love them. I love those, those groups from the 60s. Absolutely love them. Really, I think, really brilliant. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Apparently, in, Bob says, you can buy those pasties, meet one end in Apple, the other in Morrison's. Not for much longer. I don't think Morrison's going to be around at all. In fact, they've sold off, haven't they? And they've got these, these, I think it's called the One Shop or the One Stop or something like that. Whatever it is. Or the, the One Local, <coughs> I think. Uh, Steve, uh, Sainsbury's sell clotted cream, thank you. And Sharon sells uh, small pots of clotted cream in the co-op. You can also get it by post. Did you know that? You can buy all these things by post from people who, um, from po- people who have farms that make clotted cream. There was something about it. There was something like a good old dollop of clotted cream. And, uh, and nothing really beats it. And I can't remember what they do with it. They, it ends up with a crust and on the top of it. Then you sort of break the crust and you get the clotted cream. And I don't know if it's really bad for you. I don't know if it's full of calories or something. It probably is. It's probably full of dreadful things. I shouldn't, shouldn't be eating at all. But occasionally you have to let yourself go, don't you? A plain scone has 1.43 grams of sugar and 50 grams of carbs. So it's one of the best treats for a diabetic, says Mark. I'm just not really into them. I'm, I'm really not, I'm not a scone or a scone person. I quite like, I mean, I like, I like looking in the window of Patisserie Valerie. I like the little match girl. I press my little face up against the glass and look at the cakes and think, that one looks quite nice. They do a nice strawberry mi- mi- foy, don't they? 
which is strawberry and flaky paste. It's delicious. I've only ever had it a couple of times. <laughs> and he went absolutely mad for it. I went mad for it. Seriously, I thought I was going to completely collapse. It was, uh, it was very, very sugary. But they've now changed the recipe for it, and I don't know why they've changed the recipe. Probably because people are going, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's too much, I think. Too much. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Uh, .co.uk. Uh, Robert says, um, dinner cabaret. Oh, this is Warren and Gina at the Cabbage Patch, 23rd of July. God, we're booking into 23rd of July. Oh, incidentally, I must tell you, before I, I forget about it, my show at the Magic Circle, 23rd of December, which is a Friday at 2.30 in the afternoon, uh, it's practically sold out. I think we've literally only got, I think yesterday there was about 10 tickets left, and that was about it. Uh, and this year, my brother can't go. He's been every year for the past goodness knows how many years. Oh, the lights have gone. And, uh, and he can't go this year. They're both working. Him and the other half. So Marion and my brother can't go. But uh, they've got Clayson sings chanson. £28 for a canape reception, a two-course dinner in the show. Good Lord. It's unbelievable. And uh, this is Clayson does chanson featuring Alan Clayson. So there you go. That was quite nice, doesn't it? And so I like the idea. Doors open 7.30, show 8.30 at Patchworks Bar on the London Road in, in Twickenham. And I just bought local things. I like to sort of weave in as many things, because I think you should be told about everything. I don't want to advertise, Steve, but Cravendale or Tesco Pure Milk both have really long use-by dates. Well, I can get, you know, long-life milk, but I don't... I, I've stopped looking at the date on milk. I've got to do it today now. And, uh, I mean, we have loads of milk here. I mean, tonnes of it. I could probably walk off with a, a bottle of it here and nobody would notice, but I can't do that. I'm so worried I'll be stopped somewhere. Somebody get Skeeve... Can we just have a... Steve? Steve, can we have a look at your bag? And I'll be going, uh, why? I'll be going, just have a... Where did you get this milk from? Um, bought it? I don't think so. Looks like it's come from the fridge. I know, I know. Whatever happened to the fact that we used to get, you know, bottles of milk? Proper milk bottle. I mean, how, once you'd opened it, how did you keep it? Because it was it was a push-in top. It was a little little tin foil top thing. You pushed it in, and then you poured the milk out. And then what did you do? Did you put it back on the top of it or something? I don't know. Can't remember what we had then those days. Um, another one, uh, Danny from Dagenham. He says, did you have the leather trousers with the, with the bottom cut out? No, they, somebody, I bought them in a shop. I don't know why I bought them. I don't know on earth, I must have had a momentary lapse in butchness and decided that if it was good enough for Bruce Springsteen, it was good enough for Steve Allen. And uh, I was sadly mistaken. Bruce Springsteen just looked a lot butcher than I did. I just looked ridiculous. You know, clean-cut, elfin-like face. Years ago it was, as you can well imagine. It's, it's the sort of thing that you, you sort of think, oh, I really hadn't, uh, really hadn't done that. Uh, Steve, uh, you were talking about 60s groups, says Michael. Well, my claim to fame was that in the early 70s, I was a ball boy at our local football team, and they had a showbiz match, and I had to rub liniment into Ray Davis's legs, along with Diddy David, Mike Reed, Robin Nedwell, to name but a few. Yeah, but you, you probably enjoyed, you probably took your own liniment, didn't you? You're probably one of these people that sort of just travels around going, um, and anybody's legs um, today? Uh, my name's Michael. Uh, I, do, I do liniment. Thank you. And uh, free, free. I don't actually charge for it. Just need to take a picture. And, uh, and everybody goes, oh, he's back in again. Call the police. You know, too worrying, isn't it? Too worrying for those sort of things. So, uh, so now I know where you're coming from. Rubbing liniment in. Apparently there's a dairy in Cornwall, says Alan. Good Lord, there must be quite a few. And he says, Waitrose sell this one. Rodder's Dairy. M&S will do it under their own label. I must try this clotted. It must be different from other creams, mustn't it? 
Actually, it's better talking about cream than it was the other day. We, were talk- we spent most of the programme talking about Christmas. And then somebody said to me the other day, because, because of my Christmas show, they sa- and then somebody said, would you be turning on the Christmas lights this year in Twickenham? I said, I'm not sure. I said, I've done it three times already. I said, they must be able to find somebody else, surely. And um, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. In the papers today, as we head up towards the, uh, the news... There's lots of, you know, this is the way to vote, this is not the way to vote, lots of people talking about it, frankly. You make up your own mind. OK, I'm not here to advise you or do anything else. Danny Cipriani chatted up Game of Thrones star Sophie Turner in a bar. Apparently, I mean, I don't know why that this makes such a... He's a single person. He can chat up who he wants. I mean, if they want to go out with him... I mean, who was it? Was it Kelly Brook made some disparaging comments about, you know, how much of a man he was and how little of a man he was? kind of thing. I'm sure she's, she made some sort of comment. But it doesn't matter. He's, he, listen, he can go out with who he wants to. They go, they actually call him a serial love rat. Well, there's loads of people like that. Loads of people like that. I'm not saying it's, it's right. That's what people choose to do. I mean, if somebody chooses to go out with somebody who, uh, who cheats or goes out with somebody else, that's their business. Got nothing to do with us. Uh, Big Bruv Marco, otherwise known as that plank. What a childish waste of space he turns out to be. He was kicked out of Big Brother, uh, so hopefully he won't get any money for it at all. And he admitted drug driving after taking cocaine at a party. He's 21. He had eyes like pinpricks. He blamed it on lattes, but he was found to be four times over the drug drive limit. But uh, anyway, uh, he split from his fiance after an on-air romp on CBB. He was fined £400 and given 10 penalty points. What a stupid waste of space you are. What an embarrassment to everybody, including yourself, actually. It's, uh, it's very worrying. Very, very worrying. Uh, June sent me uh, the true horror of the fridge. Thank you. Just what I need. That's what I need not to know. Actually, I sometimes have an empty the fridge. Do you have an empty the fridge day? You know, when you go to the fridge and you think, I wonder what's in the back of it, because I can't see what the back of it's doing. And it, all of a sudden I find an old bottle of Prosecco. That's good, isn't it? I can be very excited by that. It's not difficult. Um, um, bum, 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 bum. Another one here. This is, oh, sorry, Lotan coming in this morning. Very busy. And uh, momentary lapse of butchness. You crack me up, Steve. It says, I'm sure you never lapse. I don't, actually. I'm way too old for lapsing now. As I say, if anybody sort of mentions anything like sort of, you know, going out for an evening, I think, oh, I'd rather stay in and do a jig store. Thank you very much indeed. How did we used to keep milk in the old glass pint bottles? You used to be to get a push-on lid with a sort of flip top to pour it. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I, 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 was, I couldn't remember what it was. Clotted cream rice puddings. Oh, I know Marks and Spencer's do clotted cream rice pudding. That is particularly nice. That's right. That just tastes to me like it's just permanent sugar. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me, but really delicious. Really delicious. If I'm really fit, because I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what I saw an advert for on the television the other day. Some ambrosia custard. And it's, it's sort of, it's made, made in Devon, apparently. That's what they say, I don't know. You know, Devon knows how they make it so good. You always get this sort of funny little quaint voiceover, because down in Devon, they all talk like that, don't they? And so they, they sort of were doing this thing, and she lifts off the lid of this thing. And then does this sort of sexual thing with a spoon, turning around and then mm, into my mouth. And, and having that, well, it's quite nice, but, you know. And, then I, and I tried some of that Devon custard. It's delicious. Absolutely delicious. But you can make custard yourself. It's not difficult. We used to have a pot of powder. It was bird's custard powder. And you mixed it up in a bowl with a little bit of milk. And was there sugar in it? I can't remember. Might have been. And then you stirred it round. And then your mother poured on the boiling milk. And then you kept stirring it. And then, because sometimes you want to put, put your finger in, don't you? Yeah, I was one of those, those kids 
who say to my mum constantly, can I lick the bowl? That was a bit of a treat in our house. Can I lick the bowl? Nowadays, you wouldn't go anywhere near it, would you? I mean, A, your tongue couldn't get to the bottom of it. You'd have to have your whole face immersed in it. And secondly, it's not very hygienic, is it? Because you don't know who else has licked the bowl before you. Uh, so those are some of the things that we won't be talking about on the programme this morning. And uh, <coughs> James says, are you in some kind of sealed perspex bubble when you present the show, where nobody, not even the, can, uh, the producer, can get at you? Um... No, they, they, they can. It's just that they need to have a pass to get in the studio. Uh, and sometimes they do actually come in here and sort of drop off bits of paper and stuff like that. Look, we've done an hour already. Doesn't seem possible, does it? We've got the news at five coming up. I can't believe we've been here an hour. God, where's the time going? Where is the time going? I've got no interviews to do today. So, because, so I've already told you that this weekend who we've got coming up for in conversation. I like the story of the couple taking a pet cow to a wedding. That was one of the, the jokiest stories. The rest of them are quite dreadful, actually. The drug mule coming home only served half the sentence. Should have rotted out there as far as I'm concerned. The three lions flag is racist, according to one person. The vile parents jailed over the murder of Ellie. I wouldn't mind, but uh, they've both got history. Both got history. He's had history for ages, and it hires, hires Max Clifford to get him on television to plead innocence at one point. And big brother Marco in his uh, drug rap. What a silly little boy he is. News is next. On Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC. It's Wednesday, the 22nd of June. Tomorrow is voting day, and you won't hear any talk of voting at all. They'll just be saying to you, get out and vote. And, uh, and you can. It's not too difficult. You should have checked. We've given you all the advice on LBC that there is available. Don't give lettuce to rabbits, apparently. It's like drugs. It's like opium. That's why I think Magic Roundabout was so successful and Dylan just sort of sat there staring into space on most of it. Uh, the barbaric acid attackers have finally been jailed. We're seeing more and more of this in the papers. And it doesn't seem to solve it, does it? With the deterrent of going to prison, nobody cares at all. Uh, Chris Holland uh, quits Watchdog to pursue other projects. Oh, God, really? Oh, you just hate it within the BBC. When sort of somebody quits one programme and, uh, and they just sort of turn up on every other programme under the sun. I get, I get a bit bored, a little bit bored and a bit tediously sort of, you know, uh, because you think, oh, we're going to have to suffer with it. And they go, oh, so we're now going to give him a job on this and he's going to do that. And you think, why? Why? Is there any track record? I mean, has Dermot O'Dreary ever done anything that's rated? No. Never anything at all. As Eamon Holmes... Well, he doesn't really count, does he, poor old Eamon? Although there was a very funny piece written about Eamon Holmes in one of the papers the other day. And I can't remember which paper it was in. It was sort of rude and funny at the same time, which I, which I quite like. Uh, Andy says, I've got a Steve Ellis album from a time when he had a band called Ellis. And I initially only bought it because the title made me smile. It's called Riding on the Crest of a Slump. And it turned out to be a good album. Yes, I mean, I've got him on uh, some... Uh, German music shows. The Germans had all these pop music shows and you can find them on YouTube and you'll find all the groups from the 60s all appearing on there. I mean, really, really, really good times. But they were all miming. Everybody mimed. I don't think anybody sang live at all. So here's the, here's the big question this morning. Well, it's not the big question, but it's, uh, it's certainly a question that's worth answering. The BBC's apology to Cliff Hollow say the Daily Mail. Stars furious, TV chiefs say sorry for distress. Who? Who has said this? I mean, he, he rebuffed the appearance of an apology, saying it might not stop him mounting a court action against the BBC or the police. You know, and so last night, um, 
there was a statement which came from the uh, the BBC saying, the BBC is very sorry that Sir Cliff Richard, who has worked as a musician and performer for so many years with the organisation, has suffered, suffered distress. Who wrote that at the BBC? Cannot, you know, is it not possible for this organisation, which we own, excuse me, we own the BBC. They're constantly telling us it's your BBC. Well, you better wise up down there. Why can't we just have one person who can say, you know, I'm the Director General, I think they made a mistake. They're, they're standing by the way that they did it. Whereas, in fact, only the BBC did it like that. It was a disgrace. They were tipped off by somebody, obviously, in the police force. They went down there. They had enough time to get it all set up. And Cliff Richard, who knew nothing about it at all, nothing about it, hadn't been charged, hadn't been anything at all. They couldn't wait to get their grubby little hands on it. But that's the BBC for you, isn't it? The BBC is just full of grubby little hands. And uh, they'll do anything. The argument is it's the BBC. But who has issued this so-called apology? That's all I want to know. Who is the person? Not just the BBC says. I mean, somebody must have authorised that. You can't have something coming out from the... B- so th- does that go right to the top? Does that go to the DG? That's what Terry Wogan would say. Oh, the old DGs. And, and you used to think to yourself, so has somebody authorised that? Or is it just somebody who came in to sort of clean the toilets for a week and they just said, oh, um, can you do a Cliff Richard apology? Yeah, we're very, very sorry about it. They weren't very, very sorry at the time. In fact, if you remember at the time, they stoically refused to say diddly squat. Now they've sort of come out with this hollow apology. It's not good enough. It's really not good enough. Who is it? Who's made it? Let's find out. I bet you never will, because the BBC don't know anything that goes on in the organisation. I mean, they really don't. You think that Philip Green doesn't know where all the money goes to, and or how his wife's got 20 million of this and 5 million of that. And te- well, the BBC are even worse. They didn't even know that, uh, that it was all going on with, um, with sort of various people within their own midst. The Jimmy Savile thing came as a complete surprise to the BBC. Then, no, good heavens above, on our premises? Good Lord, no, nobody knew about that at all, really. You bet your bottom dollar they blooming well did, because either they're completely deaf or they're blind and dumb at the same time. Ridiculous. Uh, The good news is that, looking as gorgeous as she does, Dawn French has now said the secret behind her glowing skin is... Now, we had this the other day, do you remember? We had this... From uh, from another actress from Absolutely Fabulous, Joanna Lumley, who said that she used this cream, which was about £4 something. And Dawn says that the stuff she uses is Nivea, a £5 tub of Nivea. Now, I like, I like Nivea. Um, and I think it's quite nice. I used to keep it in the bathroom because it came with a metal top to it. You would peel back the metal top and there was the Nivea. And it was it was a good dollopy kind of cream. It was lovely. And, uh, and it's probably solved an awful lot of uh, an awful lot of problems. Incidentally, on the subject of, of Cliff, just going back briefly, there's going to be an interview today, I think, um, which he's done with Susanna Reid. He's done a little interview with Susanna Reid, and then the Gloria interview is later on. Is uh, is later on today, so you get that. I think at twelve thirty. I'm pretty certain it's twelve thirty, and uh, that will be the interview that everybody's going to be watching. They've they've released little bits of it to the press, but I think that what you're going to be looking at, you're going to be sort of seeing. Uh, a man for whom he's been through the mill and backwards. Seriously. And uh, he's not in the country at the moment. He's out of the country. They did the interview over the weekend. I can't wait to see how it's going to pan out. I will definitely be uh, definitely be watching it. Absolutely. I wouldn't want to miss that at all. If you drink coffee, it can protect you against most liver diseases. Drink coffee. Drink coffee, Stephen. Drink coffee. Isn't it funny? They, they keep telling you, don't drink tea, don't drink coffee, don't do this, don't do that. My, my friend Jordan... Um, he I keep forgetting every time we go out for dinner he does I say at the end do you want a cup of coffee and he go he doesn't drink tea or coffee he just drinks uh, cokes and waters and stuff like that I can't do, oh dear, I'm just uh, oh, I can't imagine a life without tea or coffee can you 
Can you imagine waking up in the morning and just going... I mean, like this morning, I just had water. I felt awful. I really felt like I might have to get some sort of powdered milk in to sort of see me, see me through the day, just in case I end up with sort of... with milk that's gone off in the fridge. Right pain, it really is. Uh, sorry. It's my friend Warren telling me, I think, that... Um, um, it does. It does sound as if he means makes adult movies, but I promise you he doesn't. Uh, well, not that not that we know about anyway. Uh, I had to sell my home. The police defiled it. This is Cliff. Last part of this interview, with David Wicks. Not the best written article I've ever seen, uh, but it gets the the points over. Uh, he feared that he might not ever be able to sing again. I knew that he was going to sell the house because once you've been violated, you don't. Why would you want to go back there? I think he went back there once just to remove a few things. But he's had support from. Uh, Gloria Hunniford, Olivia Newton-John, Elton John, uh, even Tony Blair. Some of my friends, like Andrew Lloyd Webber, have said, look, if this could happen to you, it could happen to any of us. And it could. It absolutely could happen to anybody at all. What you've got to do is sort of just, just get through it. He had two years of hell. Why? It took them two years. Totally incompetent. I mean, seriously, must be run by... The, uh, the, the Yorkshire police must be run by a bunch of buffoons. I mean, why would it take two years... To sort of to come up with, oh, we're now going to pass it on to the uh, the CPS. And then they, they took about a month to come back and go, uh. it's th- they have to get rid of this uh, this line, which they use constantly, which is insufficient evidence. Basically, not a leg to stand on. That's what they're, that's what they're saying to you. They haven't got a leg to stand on. But you thought the police could have seen that. But, of course, they'd wasted so much time and money. They were determined to find somebody. In fact, it, it became a, a huge witch hunt every so often. Every other day, there'd be another celebrity who'd be up in, you know, so-and-so's. And we, in this building, we were going, what? What? Seriously. I mean, some of the names that have been banded around over this are so far-fetched, you'd be sitting back there going, What? You know, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't even think about some of the names that have been thrown into the, into the ring. In the case of Cliff Richard, you know, he's, he's got his friends around him and he's had to put up with it. I mean, two years, you try imagining, you know, there you are, you're in a nice, you know, you've got a family group around you or whatever it is. And then somebody comes forward and the police say, uh, by the way, somebody's made these allegations. You go, what? You know, you don't even know who this person is. You know, the most ludicrous thing I think that uh, Cliff said was, he said, at one point I'm supposed to have roller skated into a shop roller skated out, then roller skated back in again and abused somebody. I mean, it's just so far-fetched. You thought the police with half a brain cell would have worked that out. I mean, Lord above. Also, the father of the autistic Britain who tried to kill Trump had rung the US Embassy over fears for his son. And uh, this is uh, the man who, who was trying to assassinate, we think, Donald Trump. Michael Sanford uh, was there and he was led away by the police. This, I mean, this is... You know, there are people out there who've got illnesses that we don't even know how to deal with them. You know, and they say, oh, so after this little girl lost her life at the hands of her father and mother, uh, you know, we've learnt lessons. No, we haven't. I wish we had. I wish we had. What are we supposed to be looking out for? In other words, if you're in a supermarket, here we go, classic scenario, you're in a supermarket, and in front of you there is, uh, there is a child screaming and the parent hits it. Do you then say, excuse me, what do you think you're doing? No, because you'll get a mouth. You'll probably get, you know, somebody threatening you. You don't, you don't get involved, do you? We don't get involved with things like that. And then you think, if they do that in a supermarket in front of everybody, imagine what they do at home. Imagine what it's like at home for some of these poor kids, you know, who just don't know what's going on. They've been, they've been you know, battered to death. I mean, you know, I mean, ch- child cruelty and neglect cases, I think, are now up more than 75%. If you're a little baby, if you're a little child, if you were baby P... What would you be thinking as somebody else slams your head against the wall? What would you be thinking? You'd be thinking, 
What have I done? What have I done? What's going on? And, and they don't get anything. And then they just go, go to prison. And you think, what, so we look after you for the rest of your life. I don't want to do that. I want to put them all on an island surrounded by sharks and go, well, you just have to make your own way in the world, won't you? Because I don't think there's any, there's, there's no deterrent for these people. They just, they just want to hurt children. And when you hurt children, it's like, it's the, it's the worst thing that can ever be done as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Dreadful. Uh, Tina says, I want the BBC to use some of our money to make a programme with a full apology and an explanation for the treatment of Cliff Richard. I think, really, um, they will argue, and their argument is, that it was a news story that they were following up. The way that they did it was backhanded and underhand, and it was a bit devious. You know, they'd obviously had a tip-off. They must have had a tip-off. They wouldn't have known it any other way. So somebody got a tip-off. I'd love to know who that person was, and I'd love to know the person in the South Yorkshire Police who made the phone call to say, listen, we're about to raid Cliff Richard's house. And the BBC then have to get their helicopter up and ready. I mean, they didn't just think of sending reporters down. They got the helicopter up so they could see it from the air. They were so devious and so conniving as to do that. You know, because they were so excited. Oh, it's Cliff Richard. Oh, they're going to raid his house. And they went into the flat. I mean, really, what, what right do they think they've got to do this? And then you get that sort of hollow apology. Oh, the BBC says. No, not the BBC says. Let's have it right from the top. Let's have the Director General out there grovelling on his hands and knees, going, I hope it never happens to anybody else, because our news team really were crap. Absolutely disgusting. You know, they just thought they were all terribly, terribly clever, and they weren't. They really weren't. Quarter past five. Well, this morning, Nick Ferrari, a brutish father who beat his six-year-old daughter to death less than a year after convincing the High Court to return her to his care, has been jailed for life. Can we ever stop this kind of tragedy from happening, and can we trust the authorities to look out for the kids' safety? And with just over 24 hours to go until you cast your vote in the EU referendum, we're joined by the Prime Minister, who'll explain why you should vote Remain on Thursday, and former Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg takes your calls on the final day of campaigning. That's all with Nick Ferrari and the team. After the news at 7, which is after the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Hannah Vaughan-Jones, the CNN international anchor, will be looking through the papers for today, and grim reading it makes. Grim reading the you know the the hollow apology to cliff uh, cliff not very happy tv chiefs say sorry for the distress which tv chief which one is it who is it for god's sake tell us because i'm sick to death of asking it's it's ridiculous we should know who this person is i mean somebody put the, they've just gone oh terribly sorry yours the bbc you know it'd be outrageous if somebody wrote in here if we'd sort of committed a wrong you'd have somebody writing back to you a named person the bbc just said, oh, no, cover it up cover it up you know, it's ridiculous. And um, they say they're, they're still standing by their decision to run the story, which, you know, I can understand that. It's the underhand way in which they did it, the devious way in which they did it. Uh, Kelvin says you should be directing your ire at the police. Yes, I have. They tipped off the BBC. They tipped off the BBC. I mean, whether or not it was a backhander, they get a tip-off fee for that. They get a tip-off fee. We used to pay tip-off fees years ago. There used to be a, a set thing within the NUJ that if somebody gave you a tip-off, which led to a story being run, you got a fee. It was like £17.50. Nowadays, of course, people go to the papers and sell stories for tens of thousands of pounds if it's somebody really, really big and it's somebody good. And I should imagine somebody at the police force there who tipped off the BBC will be sort of sitting back going, oh God, I hope they don't start picking on me very shortly. But of course they might. Uh, and they, they said the raid was happening. Why? I mean, why would they be telling the BBC that? They hadn't been charged with anything. They were just going there to see if they could find anything. But, uh, but they didn't. There should be an inquiry into how the BBC knew in advance. Well, they were told by the police. That's how they knew. I mean, they, they certainly didn't guess it and it didn't come from Cliff, put it that way. So, uh, not so good, is it? Uh, the fridge thing June sent you, says Sharon. She sent me too, as she knew I'd be 
tuned in. She converted me to LBC from Radio Kent. Radio what? Radio Kent? Never, never even heard of it. The BBC, are they still going? Good Lord, that biased organisation is outrageous. In Kent, best place for them, I suspect. Although the other day, some lady was phoning up, and what was she saying to James O'Brien? She was talking about uh, a conspiracy theory, that the, that the vote tomorrow could be fiddled. And uh, and she'd obviously she obviously subscribed to conspiracy theories because she'd been on the Internet. And uh, James then started toying with her. And so she said, have you never heard of the Masons? And he went, no, the Masons, what are they? And so she, <laughs> not being the brightest penny in the box, she went, I can't believe you're in that position. You don't know who, who the Masons are. And he said, no, are they a group? She went, no, they're a secret society. He said, well, why would I know about a secret society? And so it went on, and he was gradually, she was digging herself the grave. He was doing the headstone for it. And by the time we'd finished, she, you know, she probably wished she'd never phoned up in the first place. Because it made her come, she came over really badly, poor soul. I did, I did feel a little bit sorry, but there you go. My, my sorrow doesn't, doesn't last that long nowadays. I, I can sort of, I can get over it very, very quickly. Uh, Steve, I've just managed to buy three tickets for the Christmas show. Well, that's taken it down. There might, might only be about seven left, I think. I don't think we've sold out a show this early. We are only June, aren't we? We are only June. <laughs> and uh, and we've sort of we've, we've done the Christmas show. That's the only one I'm hosting, actually. Only on that day. I'm not doing any of the other Christmas shows. This is Steve Allen's Christmas cracker. And uh, somebody here called uh, Chris has managed to buy three. My son, who is five, will be mesmerised at the tricks. Yes, I'm not sure whether mesmerised would be the right word. I don't really know, actually. I mean, put it this way, they're very clever. Whether or not a five-year-old appreciates, I don't know. We're waiting for it. We can have a look at the museum, see Sooty down there and everything else. Uh, life without coffee is like LBC without Steve Allen, says Hattie. I mean, I'd, I'd, it's the first time in ages I've not had a cup of coffee in the morning to give me that kickstart of the day. Which is, which is awful, really, because I do need... It's an awful thing to say that I do need the coffee. I need... The, and I have a big cup of coffee. So the first thing I've got to get today, milk. Second thing, Prosecco. Third thing, uh, what are we going to have with the sirloin steak, Australian, fed on grass? I don't know. I don't know. Roast potatoes? Roast potato. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it sounds quite nice, actually. I, mean, <laughs> I, might, be, I might be going for that a little bit later on. Uh, the older woman... This is it's appealing to a lot of you this morning. Is apparently... Uh, is a, is a better worker, a much better worker. Middle-aged women are being hired for paid short-term posts because they're seen as more focused and better workers. A major communications firm is taking on eight staff in their 30s, 40s and 50s who want to re-enter the workforce after taking time out to have children. You see, I think, didn't they do that in McDonald's ages ago? Didn't they start employing elderly people, people who were older, because they, they knew exactly... Uh, how to, how to treat people because they're because they're very good at it because they're very good at it and so consequently they were taking on older people whether it's still lasting I don't know whether or not it's still lasting I'm I'm not sure but I know that there was also one of the DIY chains and they also took on elderly people because they discovered that they were better at dealing with people they knew how to be nice to somebody they knew how to be polite whereas the uh, or sort of younger people now they don't seem to know all the all the tricks do they there's a picture there of a lady. And uh, she's a much older person uh, working there. Uh, unfortunately, older workers do boost business, but many workplaces are not set up to support them. And I think uh, it was McDonald's which invited people to examine the performance. And uh, they've got kitchen staff and managers aged over 60. You see, I don't think that you should ever write anybody off when they get to their 50s or something like that. Listen, they're just as... You, she's holding a nice pile of chips there, which is quite nice. I quite fancy that idea. But people write them off, don't they? People write off those people. They go, oh, 50. Ooh, way too old now. Way too old. And so they write people off, which is not true. 
I mean, uh, I think, actually, a study... Uh, no, it's 60% of McDonald's 75,000 strong workforce are under 21, while just 1,000 are aged over 60. The oldest is an 83-year-old woman who works in a, in a restaurant in Southampton. So 60%, it's probably because they're not paying fantastic money, isn't it? I'm assuming it's, for, it's money for sort of for kids. And the, the older people start going, I'm sorry, you can't talk to me like that. You could create merry hell, couldn't you, in some of these, some of these places. You could have uh, a bit of fun. I see that uh, self-service tills at Zara, it's a fashion shop, mean that you can check out fashions quicker and probably nick more at the same time. You know, that's a good idea, isn't it? So in other words, you'd be saying, I thought you only did self-service checkouts if you were, if you were in a supermarket, but now Zara are going to introduce it as well. Uh, they've also got an ungendered collection uh, which is a 16-piece range of T-shirts, sweatshirts and jeans designed to be worn by both men and women. Good Lord. Look at that. Is that transgender or is that just sort of unisex? In my day, we called it unisex. In other words, you can, you can wear, you know, clothes which are meant for somebody else. And it doesn't mean an off-the-shoulder frock, does it, Warren? It means you can go out there wearing a pair of skinny jeans. I mean, Mike, the, uh, the Aussie producer here, he wears skinny jeans. You know, I'm not sure whether it's the ideal outfit for him. I don't want to sort of pass comments. not up to me to decide what he should wear and what he shouldn't wear. But frankly, the shop assistants are wrong in selling it to him in the first place. What they're doing is selling him a dream. And the dream is that he's young enough to wear skinny jeans. Whereas, of course, you know, I go in and my mind steers me away from clothes. I didn't know, come away, they're for younger people, come away over here, this is the old man section. Okay, sensible trousers, okay, not your shop at all, out. You have to go somewhere else, you have to go to sort of the old man shop, which is Marks and Spencer's, because they do things in my size. You know, if I go to Zara, they don't do my size. I cannot buy anything in Zara. I might better, in fact, I couldn't even buy a pair of pants in Zara. They don't go up to my size. Their jeans do not go up to my size. They're all skinny people. And as for going into some of the other shops, I mean, frankly, I I can just about look in the window. If I go in there, you can see them pityingly looking at me going, nothing for you, fatty, nothing for you. And so sometimes I sort of, I just sort of go in, they go, can I help you? And then you hear them laughing. Can I help you? <laughs> and you think, oh, I'm in the wrong shop, aren't I? I'm in the wrong shop. So I've had to start going to millets, which do camping wear and outdoor gear, because it's all a lot bigger for you. So, I mean, I look great in a cagoule. It's fantastic. And uh, I've got a tangent. But I can't go in any of the fashion shops. Tommy Hilfiger, no chance. Seriously, they don't make anything for people in my size. It's re- And yet in America, they do. I'm finding it difficult in Costco to find anything in my size. I could just about find jeans, and that's, and that's just about it. And I did buy a pair of jeans a short while ago and horrified myself. But, you've got to, but I did buy a pair of shorts, if you remember. Pink, because pink apparently is, is the new black, and so I bought pink shorts. And uh, I, thought, I think I've gone a bit too high in the, in the sizing, because uh, they didn't have elasticated sides which I'm a bit partial to, because if your weight fluctuates like mine does, from fat to even fatter, uh, then you need to find something that's going to sort of expand with you. And so elasticated sides on jeans were very popular. Even, even back in the 60s and 70s, they were very popular. And, uh, and so I bought a pair of jeans, a, p- a pair of shorts, and I was out watering the baskets about uh, a week and a half ago. As I'm standing there watering, my, my, my shorts just slowly slipped to the ground. Because, and I, of course, put it down to the fact that I must have lost weight. But, of course, I haven't. It's just that I bought the size a little bit too big. I mean, I won't even tell you the numbers, because it's, it's, it's like a lottery number. It's horrendous. And, uh, and it was the other day, so I'm trying to water the basket and hang on to the side of these shorts at the same time. Not good, is it, really? Not good. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Iceman says, you say you're only hosting one show? Yes. Oh, there are a number of shows at the Magic Circle. 
And, uh, no, there's only one called Steve Allen's Christmas Crackers. Uh, the other ones don't say Steve Allen's Christmas Crackers. You'd have to be a bit stupid, wouldn't you, to book for a show that, uh, that didn't have me hosting it. Unless, of course, you want to go and see the other people, which is great. Uh, so, uh, so people would only buy a show for Steve Allen. And it's the only show on Friday, the 23rd, at 2.30, which has got Steve Allen's name on it. You know. Just sort of pointing out the patently obvious. It's not going to be called anybody else's, is it? Uh, Steve, I stare at the stove whilst the coffee is brewing. Coffee is brewing? Why do you want coffee brewing? I've got a hot water machine. And it's... I bought it from... Where did I buy it from? Cooper's, I think, of, of Bishop Stortford. And you just fill it up with, with water, cold water. And then when you want hot water, you put your cup underneath and you push the button on the top and it dispenses... Hot water. So I just put my coffee bag in there. Coffee brewing. I don't do any brewing. And then I just open the fridge, pour in some milk on the top, and Bob's your uncle. Which is good. Uh, Steve, says Ray, uh, with a bit of luck, the Dartford Crossing traffic may be reduce, reduced of all those. I've never been to the Dartford Crossing. I know it's... Is it under the, is it under the river, the Dartford Crossing, or is it over the river? Is it both? Over and under? I don't know. I don't think I've ever been there. I don't think so. I don't think I have. I've, I've, I've talked about it over the years, but I've never actually, never actually thought about whether I went over or under it. Did I go over or under the bridge? You have to pay. I think you have to pay, don't you, to go through the Dartford Crossing. Oh, that's, that, that would keep me away straight away. I'm not paying for anything. So I'm a road user. Don't want to do that. I don't have to pay for anything. Uh, the Sun this morning. They've got lots of advice on, as indeed have all the papers, depending on which paper you buy, determines on which, which way they will tell you to vote. And, uh, and they will offer as much advice as they can. So uh, I'll leave you to wander through the papers and make up your own, your own mind. Uh, there's also a picture here of, um, of the Queen. She's apparently got an iPad. Well, that's, I mean, it's a picture. And she's tweeted, I'm most grateful for the many digital messages of goodwill I've received. and would like to thank you all for your kindness, Elizabeth R. I mean, it's probably a made-up account. I shouldn't imagine she's actually sat there and typed that. Do you think she's done that at 90? Or do you think they're actually just trying to sort of make out that, you know, she's really sort of up with it? LBC News Time, 5.30 now with the latest headlines. It's Rupert Bartier. The pro- Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. I bought a pair of shoes the other day. Well, they're not really shoes. They're sort of... I saw them advertised on... Uh, one of the shopping channels, QVC, I think, and they were sort of picking these up and showing them. And I thought, oh, I, I could wear those. And they're sort of like a cross between vans and trainers, but they don't have any laces. They look quite casual. They're so light. I mean, seriously. Seriously, they're light. And um, and, I quite, and I think they were only about 30 quid, which seemed, seemed quite good. Back, so I bought two pairs. And they're quite nice, and they come nicely boxed and everything else. And so I tried it on this morning, very light. And they say it's very good for walking. It's, you know, and I thought, well, I might as well get back into walking again. So I'm, I'm quite excited by this. Uh, I've got them with me, but I'm not going to wear them on the way home. I shall wear them when I get home, put them on, and just have a little practice walking up and down. Uh, Tassimo is the way forward, says Cheryl. Lots of choice. You see, I mean, I, I bought my brother a machine, a coffee machine. Ages, well, I bought it for me, and I didn't like it, so I gave it to him. And he quite likes it, so every so often I buy him a case of all the little coffee capsules. Because we've become a nation of coffee drinkers. I'm sure in, in the long run, I know they've said in the papers this morning, it's very good and it, it sort of does your liver good. <laughs> Need something, don't we, now? And, um, and so, I do, but I do drink a fair amount of coffee. I try not to, that occasionally I'll go for a cup of tea, but then mainly it's a cup of coffee. And the reason I drink it, I'll be quite honest with you, I think it gives me a little boost in the morning if you're feeling a little bit tired. And today I, I woke up and I, I woke up 
um, you know, normal time, I think about ten minutes before the alarm went off. And, uh, and I remember thinking, oh, nice stuff, I haven't got anything to do today. I haven't got anything to do today. Tomorrow I shall, I haven't got anything to do apart from come in here and then go and vote, which I'm urging you to do as well. And then Friday I'm off, and then Saturday I'll be here with the best of Steve Allen in the morning. I'm assuming we're still running that one. I'm assuming it's still running, because uh, I think breakfast will then concentrate on, on what's actually happening. And uh, this week, for my In Conversation programme, it's Warwick Davis, you know, from Harry Potter and Star Wars and, oh, God, loads of other things. And uh, Ray Liotta, or as the Americans say, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, uh, which is good. He's, he's got a, a, new, uh, a new show which is coming out, which is a cop drama, and we had a really, really good chat. So two super people for you this week to meet for In Conversation, and that's between six and seven on Saturday morning, and then there's going to be The Breakfast Show with Andrew Castle. And I'm here on Sunday morning between five and seven with the paper. So it's only Friday morning that I'm not here. My presence will not be around the building. So I shall attempt to stay in bed. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work. I'm, I really don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> I haven't cancelled the car yet. This, is, this I've got to get round to today just to make sure the car doesn't turn up. Anyway, here is the story of the father, ladies and gentlemen, who goes shopping in Asda. His name's Johnny Cook, and, uh, and he's uh, decorated his, uh, his car with England flags. Which people do. I've seen quite a number of them. Although they don't seem to last five seconds, do they, before they get ripped to shreds. But anyway, uh, he, he's driving um, his silver Ford Fiesta. Oh, dear. Oh, well, never mind. And uh, anyway, um, and there was a message tucked under the windscreen, which said, pathetic, racist, and then a rude word, uh, with your England flags. He says, uh, last night, his kids, Ben, seven, and 14-month-old Layla, had asked him to deck the motor, very, very bright 14-month-old, 14 14 uh, with the three-lined banners. Johnny says, how is it supporting my country and having children who like flags being racist? Fiancé Jessica was with the Leeds United fan when he found the note in Huddersfield. Johnny later posted a picture of the note on Facebook and warned in a message, I will find out who you are. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, you could. You could probably go back to the supermarket and say, somebody touched my vehicle, but I don't think they're going to let you look through their CCTV unless you make an official complaint to the police because just putting a note under somebody's windscreen isn't, uh, isn't really enough to actually sort of make sure that somebody would... I mean, you know, because people do stick... I remember years ago... There was um, a car and it was somebody had obviously driven into the back of it. And so they'd smashed in the back bumper and there was a note on the windscreen. So the person came back and the note said, oh, hi, I'm the person who smashed into your car. Um, a lot of people think I'm leaving my name and address because they're watching me at the moment. I'm not. <laughs> So I shouldn't laugh, actually, because it's, it's, it's exactly the same as the other person who had their car hit by somebody. And um, and there was a note on the windscreen saying, I'm really sorry. Listen, I would like to offer you um, some tickets to go to the theatre this Friday if you're free. And so they phoned the number and the person said, Look, you know, you can have these theatre tickets. I'm so sorry I hit the, hit the back of your car. And so I said, that's great. So they go off to the theatre. They come back. The house has been burgled. Because the burglars knew that they were going to be out at the theatre that night. Fridge, you've got to think of these things in advance. You've got to think of these things. You know, if it sounds too good to be true, chances are it is too good to be true. It really is. Here's the holiday dad surviving a seven-storey balcony plunge. God, your life must flash in front of your eyes, mustn't it, as you drop. A seventh-floor holiday balcony. His partner and two sons saw him lose his balance and topple over the railings as he waved to friends. I mean, it's like... It's a long way up, seven floors... We're actually seven floors. I get frightened even looking out the window. Seriously, I mean, I, I get a bit of vertigo. In fact, I get quite a bit of vertigo. I couldn't, I couldn't stand on a chair. 
I mean, that really wouldn't be uh, very good for me at all. But you look out the window here, we're on the third floor, and it's still a long way up, and there's another four floors above us. So there you go. Uh, Neil's a tiler from Hull. Says it all, doesn't it, now? Anyway, he, he is now conscious and uh, stable. He was in a coma for nine days, one of these induced comas, and um, his partner, Zoe. Have you noticed nobody says the wife? The, you know, the bloke with the, with the flags supporting England, his, uh, his fiance. they They've not mar- They've got two kids, but they're not married. And this one here has got two kids, and, uh, and it's his partner. Uh, the balcony was chest-height, but Neil stood on a ledge and leaned over. Oh, God. well, I mean, there you go, then. Kind of made a rod for your own back on that one, haven't you, really? So it was a balcony, only up to the... I mean, you do see dangerous ones. I stayed in a hotel in Copenhagen once. You could open the windows fully, and we were on about the 25th floor. Frighten the light. Seriously, I only have to look down there and go... I feel a bit weak even telling you about the story. Christine says, legally, you can't discriminate on the age of your staff. Well, I mean, well, you just don't give somebody the job, do you? It's not discrimination. It's just the fact they don't want certain people. I don't know why. I don't know. And uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Carla says, I make coffee the way my mother taught me. No fancy gadgets, beautiful Italian coffee. Yeah, my mother used to have, but we only got it out for um, for uh, dinner parties. She had a coffee percolator. A coffee percolator. And that only came out if she had a dinner party. I could smell the coffee upstairs. There was always a smell of it. You could smell cigars and, and uh, the coffee percolator. At the top, but it was lovely. It was really super. Uh, 84850. George the Warburton's driver says, clotted artery cream. Seriously, you need to check the fat and calorie content before you buy and then make a decision. See, I I work on the assumption. Here here is the way that I actually uh, look at it. I always think you can have everything in moderation. Everything can be had in moderation. So, in other words, you know, you're not going to be eating clotted cream every day. That just would be ridiculous. But, you know, occasionally, as a little bit of a treat, you could have it. And that's the way I would look at it. Diabetes or no diabetes. Uh, I'm not as bad as Ian Dale. I mean, he's terrible. He's worse than I am. I mean, I didn't think it was possible to find somebody worse than I am. But uh, he was terrible. He, he gets the most unbelievable blood sugar readings. He really does, actually. Uh, 84850, uh On the subject of the, uh, of the drug mule coming back... Uh, this is Melissa Reed, and uh, there's uh, apparently pictures of her. She's, she touches down in the, the UK today. I bet she's looking happy. Managed to get away with that one, didn't you, really? I don't call the amount of time she spent in prison. If they got away with it, imagine the misery that they brought to the streets. Imagine the misery. Oh, dear me, really, I can't bear things like that. Uh, the, the traffic warden story makes most of the papers. Now, most of us, most of us, I would think probably more than 90% of us, don't exactly hold traffic wardens in too high regards, uh, mainly because they're there to do a job, which is to stop you parking. And I've seen people shouting at traffic wardens, uh, attacking traffic wardens, which we can't advocate at all, but people just being horrible to traffic wardens. Oh, incidentally, uh, sorry, I'm just going to reply to something else. Um, and so this particular traffic warden is being a bit sneaky. He's obviously decided he doesn't want to get attacked or anything like that. So he hides behind wheelie bins. And uh, this is a a busy retail park. Uh, It's only for people using the buildings within it. Step off site and you're eligible for a parking ticket. So he hides down the site, down the side of these, these wheelie bins, watching and only coming out to issue the tickets. He's thought to work for a parking contract company in Canterbury in Kent. In other words, they know he works for a parking contract company in Canterbury in Kent. And so he hides there to get them, which is a bit sneaky. But then if somebody parks illegally, you should expect to get a ticket. That was the old Clive Ball thing. People have phoned up complaining about, oh, I was stopped for this and stopped for that. So Clive said, well, were you breaking the speed limit? Yes. 
Well, that's why you got a ticket. It's like when, when you see these uh, police officers on the television and they stop somebody and they all come up the same. I'm, I keep hearing a, a well-known phrase. It's a trade insurance. Have you heard of this? And what it is, it's for people who buy and sell cards. It seems any old Tom, Dick and Harry can get one of them. Anyway, this, uh, this particular bloke thought he had trade insurance on his car, which means that any car he drives, he's insured for because he would be delivering it. Anyway, it turns out the police knew differently and they said, well, you haven't. He said, I have. And they said, well, who, whose is this car? And they, he said, it's my father's. They went, no, it's not. It's registered to you. It's got your name on it. And they stopped some bloke driving a white van. It turns out he bought his own van back from somebody else, which sounded slightly dodgy. Uh, he also thought he had trade insurance, so they confiscated it. And the reason they confiscated not because of the trade insurance, but because he was using red diesel. And what they do, if they do stop you at the road and they, they suspect that you've been using red diesel, which is illegal, uh, you get the vehicle taken off you. And as simple as that. This one, I think, had his vehicle taken off him, and then he got, I think it was 12 penalty points. 12 penalty points. So I think he was off the road anyway. I think because that sort of took him up way over his limit. So be warned. If you go out there, because they've got these automatic cameras and things like that, you've just got to be very, very careful. Because if you don't have insurance, if you don't have tax, if you don't have an MOT, the camera will tell them. The automatic uh, number plate recognition, which the police, most police cars have it now, will be the thing that pulls you over. I'm perfectly legal, of course, but I always appreciate the fact that there might be the time when you forget to do something. You know, somebody go, oh, I must do that. Like at the moment, I know I've got to do something today and I shall get round to it a little bit later on. And uh, and hopefully, but I bet, bet you anything, by the time we get home, I'll have forgotten completely all about it. Uh, get your man pants in Morrison, says Steve. In uh, in Camden. <laughs> and um, uh, another one here. Uh, Bart says, a mate of mine left a note in his car saying, no radio left in this car overnight. In the morning, he had a brick through the window saying, just checking. Yes, that's an old one as well. But I mean, the, the, the truth is, you know, people used to leave their sat-navs in there. You know, before, pe- before we started realising that there were certain people out there who wanted to relieve you of your sat-nav. You know, if they're built into the car, it's a slight problem. You can't do anything with it. But people used to stick them in the glove compartment. In fact, some people just used to leave them on the windscreen. It's like leaving your mobile phone, isn't it? You leave the mobile phone. I mean, some people actually go off and they leave the mobile phone on the seat of the car. You have a small wonder somebody's going to take it. There's a thing on the LBC website of uh, a bloke who was crossing, I think, Cannon Street or somewhere like that. And... Um, and two blokes on little pop-pops, little mopeds, got him either side and sort of hemmed him in. And then one of them grabbed his phone and they drove off. Because mobile phone, they, they, they say there's thousands of pounds worth of mobile phones get pinched every day. So the advice from the police is, the advice from the, the police is that you don't stand there texting by the side of the road. Because somebody goes past on a scooter, they just go, whoop, got it. It's like sitting outside a pub on a table. You leave your phone on the, on the table? I don't. Too often you've seen people on bicycles coming there grabbing somebody's, grabbing somebody's phone. So, you know, it's just common sense. Just common sense. Quarter to six. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Remember I tried yesterday. I'm, I'm, I'm having great difficulty logging on to the Tommy Bahamas website in America. And I can buy the shirts. I can get all the way through the system. Da-da, da-da, da-da. Put in the PayPal details. And then it goes, I'm sorry, we're unable to complete this, this transaction. And I've done it here. I've, in fact, I did it here yesterday to think, in fact, I actually got a bit excited. I thought, blimey, this is going to go through. And then it just, it just cancels the transaction. And I'm thinking, is it something about the software? Have they got something different going on or have we got different, I don't know, whatever it is, I'm, I'm not managing to get through. So I'm having, I might have to actually just fly to the States 
Might make it so much easier. There are good people around, says Jim. I once gave a pound to a lady who didn't have enough change for her parking. I didn't expect to see a pound in an envelope on my windscreen when I returned to the car. You see, I mean, there, there are nice people around. Do you remember I rammed into that poor woman in the garden centre with my trolley? Because the front of the trolley was sort of bigger than I thought it was. And it nearly sort of broke her ankle. And, and I bought them both cakes. Bought them cakes. Next. Although that was quite a nice thing. They seemed quite pleased anyway. So we were all doing very well. Uh, Apparently, the best clotted cream, Phil Vickery says, is Rodder's. 55% fat. Is it, is it really? Fif- blimey. 55% fat. Don't think I've had anything with 55% fat in it. Good Lord. So, what is, so what's the difference then between cream and clotted cream? And how do they make skinny cream? Because I've seen, you know, in, in M&S, and I'm sure other supermarkets have it too, they've got reduced fat cream. And I often think, I mean, you know, is, is that any good? But with clotted cream, what is it? I mean, 55% fat might just be a wee bit too much for me. That might kind of push me over the edge a little bit, Phil. I'm just having a quick look, actually. So, clotted cream produced in the county of Devon. It's traditionally spread first on a scone, then topped with jam. OK, yeah, that, that bit I understand. And um, so what's the difference? What is the difference between clotted cream, Devon, Devonshire cream? Double cream. So that sounds quite nice. That's, oh, it does look nice. It does look nice. So here we go. Clotted cream is a silky golden yellow cream made by allowing unpasteurised cow's milk, traditionally from Jersey cows, to sit for 12 to 24 hours in shallow pans, then slowly heating it and leaving it to cool for another 12 to 24 hours. The cream that rises to the surface and clots is skimmed off and served with scones, berries, uh, what do I mean, scones, berries... Or desserts. The best clotted cream is said to have a good firm crust atop smooth, thick cream. Clotted cream originated in southwest England, either Cornwall or Devon, depending on who you ask. And Cornish clotted cream has been awarded the EU's protection designation of origin. It has a minimum of 55% butter fat. Double cream's 48% fat. God. So a lot of it, isn't there, really? There is a lot of it. I quite like sour cream as well. Phil says, I have a Costa cappuccino every morning. You need it, don't you? Have you noticed that as, as, you, as we get a little bit older, I mean that in the nicest possible way, as you can imagine, we do need that little boost in the morning. I mean, years ago, I would have a little orange juice. Now, because of diabetes, I don't have orange juice, which is a shame, really. Uh, but I'm, I've not missed it. Uh, it. It's fine, just a little occasionally. Just a little occasionally. This is, this is clot- 55% fat. <sighs> Seems a bit too much for me, actually. But I don't know. I mean, if I had it on... Perhaps I could force myself to have a scone. But again, you see, I can't have the jam. Because the jam's all sugar. It's... I mean, it's just... It's too much, really. You can get... Oh, I don't... I don't know anything that says diabetic on it at all. Because mainly it's made of laxatives and things like that. Sometimes you have to eat it in the bathroom. It's it's safer that way. Phil Vickery says, older... How very dare you. It is true, though, isn't it? I mean, come on. How many times... When you were younger, you got up, you were going to school in the morning. How many times did your mum say, you want a cup of coffee before school? No, of course not. You had a cup of tea. And invariably, your mother would sort of make a pot of tea, put it on the table, and we used to have a toast rack, which we put toast in. A toast rack, I ask you. How posh were we? Now you take it out of the toaster, straight on the plate, butter it, eat it. My little treat every Sunday, a piece of toast. Well, actually, sometimes more than a piece of toast. Uh, The Jilted Hubby. Is in the paper today. This is the man whose wife was bedded by MP Steve Double. Dirty little man. Uh, it's called for his resignation. This is Matt Bunt, who was heartbroken when the Tory admitted his affair with newlywed Sarah, 26. 
here in after was known as the Tart. I mean, really, honestly, it's disgraceful. Especially when you look at a picture of, of sort of uh, Mr. Double with his wife, and then you look at the woman he had the affair with. I mean, they're like poles apart. Anyway, Mr. Double, 49... Uh, cut all ties with aide Sarah and went back to his wife of 30 years. Of course he did. Of course he did, because he's pathetic. Matt from Newquay in Cornwall is back to petition, signed by more than 500 people, calling on uh, Steve Double to quit. He told the MP, you've gone out of your way to demean and blame Sarah. She's a shell of her former self. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. You've shown your true colours now. Do the decent thing and resign. Pastor Double declined to comment. I'm a former pastor. I'm not going to say anything at all. Dirty person, honestly. What is it with these people? Uh, Phil, Phil Vickery thinks, he says, I am young. Well, sort of. Is it, is it, it's, it's just a number, isn't it? I keep saying to people, when people say, you know, how old are you? And you, you tell people and they go, oh, wow. You go, listen, it's just a number. You're as young as you feel. Or can get your hands round. Um, you know, because that's a thing nowadays, isn't it? You see some people, I've met people who are younger than me, but look older than me. And I always think, well, actually, this, this must be my, my clean living. This must be my sort of Prosecco, my... Uh, now I'm drinking coffee. Now I know it's, it's actually good for me. Well, for the liver, anyway. Um, Philip says, if I'm going to read or write a text, when in town, I face into a shop front so that nobody can get in front of me and grab my mobile. Well, they could actually uh, put, put your hand round. Somebody thinks it's to do with PayPal. Oh, that's a point. Perhaps I should try something else, actually, if I was going to... Uh, order something from America. It could be PayPal, it could be. But I've ordered from America. I pay with PayPal for everything. I wonder if it's over a certain amount. I don't know. Phil Vickery thinks I look very young. <laughs> Does the wife say that? <laughs> she, did, you, did, did, you, did you come back? And she said, he looks quite young for his age. Or <laughs> did she just laugh? <laughs> I suspect she just laughed. Uh, an Oreo milkshake. Oh, dear. You see, milkshakes are quite nice, aren't they? But I'm sure they're bad for you. And they do Oreo. I've had an Oreo biscuit in here the other week. I think they look the most unattractive biscuits, but they don't taste too badly. It's a bit like, uh, they, they taste a bit like a custard cream, but they're not. They're Oreos. It says two ounces of milk in a blender, four scoops of vanilla ice cream, blend till it's thick and smooth, then chuck in a few Oreo cookies and blend. Drink with a straw. It's awesome. It sounds like also it's full of calories. And calories are the, the thing I'm supposed to be, you know, being good about. I think actually Phil did fish and chips the other day. I'm sure he did fish and chips for Eamon and Ruth. I'm pretty certain. Uh, 84850, uk. Loads of these text messages coming in this morning. And um, uh, Margaret says uh, Rodder's clotted cream is made in Cornwall. Yes, did we say that? Did we say, I thought we, we, yes, we said that. And uh, depending on which, which part, depends who you talk to as well. And Phil says, ha-ha, the wife says you were young, lovely and charming. That's it, no more compliments. Young, lovely and charming. <laughs> Actually, yesterday, I, I, I did say at the beginning of the programme, because Warwick Davis came in. I think he's doing the rounds at the moment. And he's such a nice person. And his son wants to be a traffic cop. Now, they're all the same height in their family. Nobody's, nobody's blessed with a lot of height uh, in the family. His daughter, I think, is going to be an actress. She's already got some things uh, on stage. And his wife appeared, in, uh, not, not credited, in the film Willow. Willow was the very first uh, thing that I think Warwick Davis did, where his face was shown. Up until then, he'd always been the little person. He'd been an, an Ewok or whatever it was. And he learned to move his head to one side because that's what his dog did. His, he his, his dog's head used to go to one side, but it would be quizzical. And as an Ewok, he did that. He moved his head to one side. Because he, he was going to be R2-D2. Oh, he did the ultimate burger for Eamon and Ruth last Friday. Oh, I'm still going back to the young, lovely and charming. 
I'd quite like that better. Actually, I, I, I do like a burger occasionally. I had one the other day in Joe Allen's, and then I had, had a hot dog as well. All the stuff I'm eating, honestly. It's, it can't be good for me, can it, really? But I can't thrive on anything else. I work on the assumption that, you know, you've got to buy something that you like. I don't care if people say, listen, it, it's not really good for you. And so, you know, you have to sort of, you have to just go with it. Go with, it's not another volcano going up, is it? It's another one that's, oh, forest fires everywhere. They did a thing about volcanoes the other day on the telly. And I'm fascinated. You get um, volcanologists who go round and they go very near to volcanoes. And it looks absolutely amazing. It's all bubbling away. And then when Mount St. Helens went, phew, God, it was popping out from everywhere. But over in Pompeii, of course, they didn't see that one coming. They thought it was the gods. Sadly not. Sadly not. And uh, another one here. Uh, last week, I returned to my car after running over the given time by 15 minutes, only to find a complete stranger had bought a ticket and stuck it on my windscreen with a note saying they saw a traffic warden issuing... A ticket. Faith in humanity, says Ashley, was restored. You see, there are nice people out there. I don't care what anybody says. I know sometimes we watch the, uh, the television and, uh, and I, you know, you sort of get these horrible stories in the newspapers. But then somebody will do something nice. Like, you remember that story from yesterday? The kids at the school and they wanted their, um, one of their schoolmates who had, uh, was it Downs he had? Something, anyway, they wanted him to win the race. They're only 11, so they all linked arms, and the boys let him win the race. They all held back and let him win. I thought, what a nice thing to do. What a nice thing to do. Uh, Fortnum & Mason, says Dorm & Dom, sell the best clotted cream, £8 a jar. It's not cheap, is it? Eight, I know, £8 seems an awful lot to me. We'd have to save up for that one. I'd probably get a, we get a loan or something. I don't think I could afford it straight off. Uh, Margaret says, I see the Rodder factory often, Steve. It is in Cornwall. Oh, do you see all, all see, Now we've started the war. Now we've started it. You think it's all going on elsewhere? Oh, no. It's carrying on down in, in Cornwall and Devon. But uh, I always think of them as the same, actually. I always think they're exactly the same. Exactly the same. Uh, right, 84850, uk. Everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. Uh, except beer and single malt whiskey, says Jonathan. Everything in moderation. See, luckily, I don't drink single malt whiskey or beer. I'm one of these lucky people. I've never been a, a beer drinker or a lager drinker or a bitter drinker. Well, I've certainly been bitter when I've been drinking, but I've never actually sort of gone for, for bitter in any way, shape or form. And I'm not really bothered about whiskey. I think it's very pretty and it smells nice and the bottles look lovely and I appreciate how difficult it is to, uh, to do it and then decant it. And, but that's it. I don't, I don't want to drink this stuff. I don't do gin either. Gin, I was always told, is something that makes you feel a little bit sort of... Pfft, Bit sort of depressed, so I thought I won't. I won't do gin. But the amount of people I've spoken to recently, in fact, Paul, Paul's girlfriend Mel, she loves gin. She loves that Bombay gin. That's her favourite, and uh, I can't bear it. I can't bear the smell of it either. Anyway, uh, the number plates to track bees are in the paper this morning. They've released oh, thousands, I think, and they put numbers on, or hundreds anyway. They put numbers on each of them, little tiny numbers, and if you see one, you take a picture and send it in, and so they can track where, where the bees go. It's very clever, very clever. You know, if you move bees and the hive, you move them at night, and they, then in the morning you open up and they will go out and they'll go back to the hive. But if you, if you do it during the daytime, they haven't got the faintest idea where they're going. Uh, Great Auntie Flo and the Million Pound Doorstop. Yes, it's out there. Uh, Rodders is in Redruth in Cornwall, says Phil. I made a film there once for this morning. See? There you go. He knows what's going on. Blast of hot air from Spain. Voters will be in a sweat tomorrow. Well, we've had every other season. We might as well have the sweating as well. News is next. On FM, online on your mobile and on digital radio. 
Leading Britain's Conversation. This is LBC. Good morning. It's nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Wednesday, the 22nd of June. Tomorrow, voting day. I'm not here on Friday. We've got special programmes running uh, through the day, through the night. Ian Dale, Sheila Fogarty and then Nick will be here at five in the morning. And uh, we'll be checking in with our reporters all over and you'll hear the results first on LBC. I am back, of course, on Saturday morning with the best of Steve Allen from the week. Although, actually, being, being a day short, it might be a shorter programme. No, it's not. They've managed to find enough stuff. And then, in conversation for this week, two uh, enormous stars. Uh, one is Warwick Davis, and the other one is the one you've been waiting for as well. That's Ray Liotta. So, both of those on Saturday morning. Repeated on Sunday evening. I want an update on clotted cream, ladies and gentlemen. Now we've discovered it's 55% fat. And as you know, we have a bit of an argument going on here with Margaret. So, she says, I see the factory often. Well, Phil Vickery did a, a documentary on it for this morning, a little thing going down there. And uh, lovely family-run business. The owners, he said, told me that their father, who started the business, ate clotted cream every day and was fit as, fit as a fiddle. He did have a triple-heart bypass. <laughs> There's a downside of eating clotted cream every day. And I suppose you could... could it's like, you know, if, if you're French, you probably drink a lot of wine every day and garlic and stuff like that. And garlic's supposed to be really good for you, isn't it? Although, frankly, I can't quite get into it. I was, always thought it was a little bit antisocial garlic. But I like it if they put it on steaks. But I'm going to have one of my steaks today. My second one. My second steak, which is, uh, is grass-fed Australian sirloin grass-fed. And it does taste different. It's certainly tender. Certainly very, very tender. Some of the other stuff... I don't know. I don't know where they get all the meat. I tend to buy my meat, not from a butcher's, which I should do, really, because they're the specialists. I tend to buy it already sort of vacuum-packed in M&S. Other places are available. But um, it, it, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it, really? Because until you've had something that tastes normal, you don't really know what it's supposed to taste like. I just think everything tastes of polystyrene. That's about that's the only way it goes for me. Uh, on the subject of the uh, the weather for today, I know you're not really uh, you're not really particularly particularly bothered about uh, about the weather because I don't think you should be. I don't think you should be today. I think it's going to be okay. I think it, well, I say I think it's going to be okay. Wait a minute, let me just have a check. Dry, sunny spell. Oh, here we go. Chance of heavy showers later on this afternoon, twenty-three degrees. But that's later on. We don't care because it tipped it down the other day, didn't it? Very odd. Tonight, warm and humid throughout the evening and overnight with cloud thickening. Nineteen centigrade Thursday tomorrow, voting day. You must vote. A mostly cloudy, warm and humid day, although there are likely to be some brighter spells. There remains a risk of further showers. These again, torrential and thundery. Oh God. Here we go. Maximum 24 degrees. And then Friday through Sunday. Sunny spells developing Friday after overnight thunder, rain, showers remaining possible, especially in West. Where do I live? In the West. Warm sunshine on Saturday, perhaps with slow-moving thundery showers. Who cares what speed they're going? (laughs) As long as they go. As long as they go. Uh, Harry's in Ghana. Well, somebody's got to be, and it's him this morning, so why not? Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Quickly find some more here. A lot of people talking about, uh, about the fact they are definitely going to vote, which that's because uh, I think uh, that's a very good idea. You must go and vote. You can't complain otherwise. You've got to go and vote. Uh, other stories from the papers this morning. Cliff's uh, support. Today is the day that you get to see that interview with Gloria Hunniford. I think he's done one with Susanna Reid. I'm pretty certain. Uh, that'll be a smaller one. Gloria's got an hour with him. They did it in a, in a hotel. 
uh, down in uh, Weybridge, I think. The BBC's hollow apology, they issued some sort of begrudging kind of apology, saying they were sorry if he was upset, like, you know, like you would be, wouldn't you, for two years. And uh, it was handled very badly, very badly. I, t- I, don't, I don't object to them covering the story, because I believe that's what news-gathering organisations do. It was just the underhand way that it was done, you know, being tipped off by somebody. This is, this is the bit they've never actually told us about. And then the apology from the BBC. We want to know who. Who's apologised? This head of news? Is this head of outside toilet facilities? Who's, who's apologised? Just saying, the BBC apologised. Well, who? Who is that? Who's apologised? Is this the board of directors? Have they apologised? Who's done it? That's all I want to know. Not just the BBC apologise. That's a load of old codswallop. It really is. Uh, the number plates tracking the bees is quite a nice one. I quite like that idea because we're big fans of bees around here. We love them. And, of course, Bill Turnbull also does beekeeping. He's uh, working on one of our sister stations. And I bumped into him down at the, at the Mall. We were talking about beekeeping because uh, he and Martha Carney both do beekeeping. And I've often thought I'd quite like to do it. And then I think, I can't eat the stuff. It's all sugar, isn't it? But it does look lovely. I was watching somebody the other day. There was a street market, special day in Marylebone. And uh, they had some bees there. And people are fascinated with watching them working. Seriously, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, Great Auntie Flo and the Million Pound Doorstop. It's one of those happy stories. Very happy story. But uh, unfortunately, dumb story of the day is the, the dethroned beauty queen. This is the very dreary Miss Great Britain, ex Zara Holland. In fact, when you look at the picture of her, she's not all that... You know, I don't know what they're looking for in these things, but uh, when you look at a picture of her here now... So she goes on this celebrity Love Island, or Love Island, and she has sex on television. She says, it isn't a crime. No, it just makes you look cheap and tarty, dear. That's what it is, and I'm afraid they don't want somebody like you representing Miss Great Britain. I mean, you know, if you want to do that, go, go, go to Magaluf, sleep with everybody you want, but don't waste our time by going on a, on a thing like that... Um, you know, and then going, it isn't a crime, why should I lose my crown? Because you came over as cheap... OK, that's that's explaining it as simply as I can to you. You know, if you are representing Great Britain and apparently people look up to you, what sort of people? I can't imagine. Perhaps very low rent people, you know, and you have sex on television. It might not be a crime. It just makes you look cheap and tarty and vulgar. OK, and I'm sure your family must be absolutely delighted for you. Well done, you. You've turned out so well. So bleating away in the newspapers does not wash with me and 90 percent of this country. They're really not interested. You're bad. You're bad news. You know, you might be great news for this uh, for this Love Island programme. But frankly, if you want to behave like a gutter snipe, then go somewhere else. OK, there are better places. That's why you lost your crown. It's as simple as that. It's like sort of having a Miss Great Britain and she's a former hooker, but still working. You know, that kind of thing. We don't want that either. You know, so uh, grow up. Stay out of the, uh, the limelight. You've had your five seconds of fame. We know what you are. And, uh, and you've kind of, you know, made your own bed, dear, as they say. So now you must lie in it. So I don't want to read any more bleating from you. Thank you very much indeed. Honestly, the people who are going for these beauty contests. It's a bit dated, isn't it, really? Beauty contests. People parading up and down like some meat market. But then she goes on television and lets herself down. But probably more more she's let down is her family. As I say, her mother, who's not very well at the moment. That's the way she, she came out of Love Island. She couldn't have made it up, could you, really? And then you think to yourself, so she must be going, oh, brilliant, that's my daughter, the one who had sex on television. That's her only claim to fame. They don't go, what an intelligent person she is. Uh, 84850, uh, I think the only reason grass-fed steak could be better is, in this country, the cows are fed on grass, if it's milking cows, otherwise it's all hay and chaff. Yes, I've often wondered about that, actually. I've, I've, I always try... 
and buy nice milk because I want to make sure that the farmers get the right price for it. But some of the places, I mean, the last milk I bought was in Iceland. It's only because I happened to be in Iceland buying some Uncle Ben's rice, which I thought was particularly cheap at the time. And so I bought it in there. But it seemed to go off fairly quickly. So perhaps I should buy, you know, better milk. I don't know, it sounds a bit naff, doesn't it, really, buying better milk. But uh, I do. Um, somebody says, I'm definitely going to vote. Oh, that's good. I think everybody should vote. It's the whole idea. It's the opportunity for people to go out and vote. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Go out and vote. And uh, Rob says, morning from Cornwall. Rodder's clotted cream, the only clotted cream. Where is Devon? I've never heard of it. I don't know. I think they make custard in Devon. I think that's, that's what goes on in Devon. We're not too sure, actually. But whatever it is, it's quite nice. And uh, Steve, my car broke down a few weeks ago in South Ricelip. Good Lord. And a, and a black cab driver stopped to help. He suggested uh, ruling out lack of fuel, even though my fuel level was just above the last gauge. But it wasn't empty. He drove me to the nearest petrol station, stayed with me. I bought a petrol can, filling it up, drove back to the car, refused to take money. I was blown away by his kindness. If he's listening now, I wanted him to know, I shall never forget that, says Sally, in West Drayton. It's nice, isn't it? See, there are nice people out there. People do nice things. People do nice things. If you do something nice every day, it repays itself, I promise you, time and time again. You'll always, you know, somebody will do something nice for you. You do something nice for them, they'll do something nice for you. Listening in uh, Melbourne says Sarah, and uh, she says, now you're liking Australian steak, you should try coffee from one of the Aussie coffee shops which are springing up in London. Aussie coffee shops? What the dickens is that? An Aussie coffee shop? You'll like Aussie coffee, she says. What, you grow beans and everything? Do you? I'm not sure about that. Growing beans over in Australia. Apparently, if I get a chance, says Phil, I should should try flat iron steak. See, now you, you, you put me off with this because you've told me where it's cut from. You see, it's cut from the shoulder, low fat and really tasty. I just don't like to think of it. There was a line in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where the cow turns up at the table and says, oh, you should take the meat from my rump here. This is the best bit of me. I remember thinking, oh, no, I don't like to think about that. I don't want to, I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it comes pre-packed, all this kind of stuff. I, I don't want to think of the, uh, of the beginning of the process. Thank you very much indeed. So I'm, I'm going to try my other piece of steak today. I might sort of marinate it, put a bit of garlic, uh, garlic salt. That's what I'm going to get today. Garlic salt. I remember having that ages and ages ago and I liked it. So here we go. Australian grown coffee. It comes from Byron Bay in Australia and it's situated at the gateway. This is Ewingsdale Coffee Estates. It produces 100% Australian grown coffee beans. It is wholly Australian owned and operated and uh, it's a boutique estate. You can imagine that over in Australia, can't you? A boutique estate, ladies and gentlemen. The coffee is a blend of Arabica varieties, uh, which is uh, Kaffir Arabica. The coffee plant is a, a genus of the another family, and so it goes on. It, so, it sounds quite nice, actually. But Australian coffee shops in London, I ask you. Good Lord. A story about Australian coffee, as if we didn't have enough to contend with. Overrated price milk. Now we've got Australian coffee beans. Lovely. Uh, somebody's just blue lines, just texted. says, nice story about the London cab. See? Nice people everywhere. That's what we like. And I'm going to be a nice person and tell you the time. Why? Because I just care about you. It's uh, 6.15, LBC News with Rupert Bartia. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 6.20. The race is on tomorrow. And uh, you will vote. Please, you will vote. And then you listen to LBC overnight and we'll keep you, uh, keep you in touch with the way everything's going. Uh, Phil did try Aussie coffee. He said it was uh, perfumed, but very nice. 
So there you go, Sarah. It's perfume. But, but I suppose it's, it's like anything, isn't it? I mean, things that you've got used to eating, and then you go and try it in another country, and you go, oh, it doesn't taste the same at all. And, uh, and some people will come here and go, oh, I don't like the taste of that, or I don't like the look of that. And so with coffee, but Aussie coffee shops, they have a name. Can't just be Aussie coffee, can it? I mean, I've, I've, I've never heard of such a thing. I didn't know that they were, they were in London. I need to, need to get out a little bit more. Apparently, Ian says... This is uh, room temperature for cooking a steak for 30 minutes. Season and oil up. See, I don't put anything in the frying pan at all. I just put the steak in. I've got one of these ceramic uh, things. He says, melt a knob of butter, heavy bottom pan, cook steak as liked. Finish by covering steak with lemon juice and melted butter. Lemon juice and butter. Oh, that sounds horrible. Leave for 10 minutes for eating. You see, again, it's this letting the meat rest, isn't it? I, I never do things like that. I never do things like that at all. I can't, I can't sort of quite work out, you know, why you'd want to let the meat rest. I know everybody tells me that I'm doing it wrong, but, you know, that's the way I eat things. I'm not very good, actually, at, uh, at cooking full stop. Uh, Steve, I like Tommy Bahama shirts, but it's uh, still rip-off UK. Why in dollars, I, uh, Sam uh, San Clemente is priced at 95.02 for UK, but if shipped... In the US, it's 110 at current exchange rates. Equals approximately 75. Why the difference? I've got no idea. I, th- I just know that they're, they're terribly expensive. I think they are terribly expensive, but they seem to last quite well. I just want them to open a shop here. Make it a lot easier for me. I could just go out on the town. I could go out on the shop. I could go and buy them, and I don't have to keep sort of sending them backwards and forwards. But I might try another way. If it's PayPal that's the problem with this thing, I might have to do... Perhaps I've got some some sort of barrier on it or something like that. Perhaps I should have taken something off, perhaps a filter. Uh, Mike says, pure filtered milk not only tastes great, it lasts for about two weeks too. Pure filtered milk? Never even heard of it. Pure filtered milk. Well, there you go. I'm learning something new every single day. Every single day. Uh, we've got the uh, the pictures of the, uh, of the coffee house and uh, five... Great Australian coffee houses in London. Good Lord. Well, I, seriously, five of them. I never would have. I never would have known it. I never would have known that. I must. I must get out an awful lot more. <laughs> and um, uh, Diane says you always help me get up with a smile on my face. Brush the steak with soy sauce, says Sharon in Archway before you before you grill it. I don't grill. I just I just fry it. I just fry. It. And it turned out absolutely absolutely brilliant the other day. Uh, so, so that's good. Uh, Australian coffee, says Luke, please. What next? Coffee is coffee. Well, apparently not. I was discussing this the other day with John and, uh, and, uh, and Anthony on, you know, on water. Water tastes different depending on where you get it from, you know, and you can taste the difference with water. People say, no, you can't. I say, you can, I promise you. You really can. Anybody tell you that one? Anybody tell you that one? Okay, listen, uh, as we've only got a few minutes left of the programme, let me just tell you, first of all, um, the uh, the BBC, sorry for Cliff distress, but the, the, all they said was, um, uh, it said the BBC is very sorry, Sir Cliff Richard. Oh, this is this is their sort of get out, isn't it? Where's the name on that? How impersonal? The BBC, you know, uh, are very sorry that uh, that Cliff was uh, was distressed and suffered distress. The BBC's responsibility is to report fully stories in the public interest. Well, uh, yeah, I understand that bit, but the way you did it was underhand. It was underhand. They got a tip-off from the police. Once South Yorkshire police confirmed the investigation and Sir Cliff's identity informed the BBC of the timing and detail. Did South Yorkshire police phone everybody? I don't remember them phoning us. I don't remember them phoning ITN. Did they just phone the BBC? Is there some sort of backhander going on here that I'm not aware of? 
and they say it would have been editorial responsible, nor in the public interest, to choose not to report fully the investigation because of his public profile. No, we're not complaining about that. You're not understanding it, are you? Perhaps they're a bit dimmer than I thought down there. It's the underhand way that you've got the helicopter up there. You know, and people filming it. It was, it was just wrong. It was just wrong. I'm not, I'm not denying the fact that, you know, it was something that needed to be reported. I'm, I didn't, we're not arguing that. It's the way you did it that was devious and underhand. Especially after one of the men in this investigation accused the singer of assaulting him at a Billy Graham evangelical rally in 1985 in a room that wasn't even built in 1985. You thought they'd have understood that one. Other complainants included a convicted sex attacker and a man who tried to blackmail Cliff in the past. I mean, seriously... They were, they were just out to lunch on it. And the BBC, I understand what reporting means. You don't need to patronise the British public, thank you very much indeed. I just want to know who sent that out, who worded that and who sent it out. That's all people need to know. I think the papers should start asking. I think the, uh, the Daily Mail should start asking. Who sent that out? Who was the person? Who was the person? Uh, Steve, coffee like fresh cut grass. I love the smell of both, yet hate the taste. Yes. I like a good venison steak, says Chris. I've never eaten venison. I've never eaten it. Uh, I'm not... Um, I don't know if I would eat it, actually. I don't, it, would, it wouldn't make any difference, would it, really? If, if somebody didn't tell you what you were eating, would you, you know, and you taste it, oh, I wonder what this is, and then they go, oh, by the way, it's like sort of people who eat, I think in Peru, they eat um, guinea pigs. And, and I'm thinking, and al- alpaca and stuff like that. And over in, in Lapland, uh, they eat reindeer. In fact, they eat reindeer all the time. So not only can you sing about Rudolph, you can eat him as well. So that's exciting. And, uh, and they do, they eat it. They have reindeer stew, reindeer steaks, reindeer, just about everything. So, you know, perhaps I shouldn't worry about it. But venison, I don't know, could I eat venison? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, very quickly, uh, some more of these. I think one of your texters said by pure filtered milk meant specifically Cravendale. Oh, right. Buy normal milk from Morrison's. I can almost guarantee one to one and a half to two weeks, unless you've got a rubbish fridge. Oh, right. Uh, Cadbury's have got a factory in New Zealand. The chocolate tastes very different. Yes, American chocolate tastes very different from our chocolate. I remember somebody telling me that the Americans didn't take to our, our chocolate at all. Um, and so that, that, that's why we have, we have different tastes, don't we, in this, uh, in this country. Uh, here we go. Um, rest the steak for as long as you cook it. And then taste the difference. And here is one from Norway last week. Reindeer pizza. Reindeer pizza. That's what Phil sent me a picture of. Reindeer pizza. It's got two slices of reindeer pizza. And this is 130, whatever their thing is in Norway. You get a side salad, a coleslaw, and you get a mineral water. But reindeer pizza. I don't see why I should taste any different to anything. I don't know, actually. It just seems a bit bizarre, doesn't it, in Norway. But um, that's what they eat. Listen, you can't knock them, can you? I've been over there. I can't remember if I ate reindeer. Did we eat reindeer on Christmas Day? When we were over in there seeing Father Christmas? I think we might have eaten reindeer Christmas Day. I think, yeah, I think we might have done. I, don't, I didn't see any turkeys wandering around, so I think it was, it was, it was Rudolph. And, uh, and very nice, I'm sure it was too, but I can't actually remember. Or perhaps I just had rolls and chips, something else, I don't know. All the usual rubbish food. Um, the sun on the front page... Uh, it's the Queen asking her dinner guests a question relating to the voting tomorrow, which I'm not going to tell you about. You can read it yourself. Each of the papers seems to be um, trying to make sure that their readers vote a certain thing, a certain way. And so the Daily Mail have got some advice for you, as indeed have the Daily Mirror, as indeed have the uh, the Daily Express. Uh, do the Daily Telegraph have that? 
Yes, the Daily Telegraph have exactly the same. Uh, also, the Metro, they've got advice for you on voting. As I say, it's a minefield. It depends on who you want to believe, what you think you're going to get if you vote this way or that way. I'm sure that you will make up your own mind, but you must vote. Uh, also, the, uh, the I... The last ditch pleas for vital votes. And they've got a picture of Boris and a picture of uh, Mr Cameron. Either way, you will make up your mind. You're not silly. You're not daft. You just want to get out there and vote. And if you're happy with your vote, then that's absolutely fine. It's as simple as that. And then you can't moan afterwards. We don't want anybody spoiling votes. That would be very silly. Very, very silly indeed. So thank you very much indeed for your uh, for your company today. I must mention again that um, Saturday... Because I'm, I'm here tomorrow, but I'm not here on Friday. We've got In Conversation. Warwick Davis has got this piece coming up at the London Palladium. I think it's on the 29th of this month. There's a, there's a cast of really good people. It's a new musical. Lots of new songs written by Ben Adams, who you'll know because uh, you just ch- well, you, you check him out. You know who he is. But he apparently writes brilliant songs, according to Warwick. So we'll talk to him. Uh, and then we're also going to be talking to the actor, producer and voiceover man. He was in Goodfellows and Field of Dreams. That's Ray Liotta. So that's both on Saturday morning, five to six. It's Steve Allen's The Best Of, where we take the best bits from the week. And then on, uh, just following on from that, it's In Conversation. Sunday morning, of course, I'm live between five and seven. And then I'm back in the evening with the the second playing out of In Conversation. So uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy them. You really will. And I think next week it's going to be Barry Humphreys. So we should look forward to that. Uh, just about it for this morning. Uh, we did get around to most things. I didn't tell you properly about Auntie Flo and the million pound doorstop. She bought it this vase in a car boot sale and she had it propping opening the door till, um, one of these uh, people on the television came around and went, I think that could be worth about a million pounds. Charles Hansen, I think is going to be the man auctioning it, who you'll know from television. Uh, we did tell you about the number plate tracking the bees, Dawn French's, uh, skin regime. It's a big tub of Nivea. Uh, The vile parents jailed over the murder of little Ellie. Uh, Waste of space in the country. Marco Pierre White Jr., what does he do for a living? Probably just stare in the mirror and mumble away to himself incoherently. That's it for this morning. You can listen to LBC wherever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. It's Nick Ferrari at breakfast, but coming up right now, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. 